0: Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack.
1: I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but now I've realized it's a podcast. Ugh. It's a podcast.
2: I believe he says in the movie he says a fucking tragedy or a fucking podcast, right? Okay, like, you, doesn't
1: he say fuck? Maybe. You guys just saw it. I already forget it. <laughs> okay. I used to think no, no, that no, my no, life was a fucking tragedy, but now I realize it's a fucking podcast. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: Hold on, let me just sit like concaved,
1: completely like falling skinny. in on myself. But you know that's the thing, that skinny people always sit in the most grotesque ways possible. They, they always sit in a way that looks incredibly uncomfortable. Yes, and then become clown murders, Right, and splays their rib cages, shoulder blades ripping out of their flesh. But they're very funny. Well, and can I say it? Dare I say it? Mm, I don't know. A, a little bit <laughs>
3: twisted. A little bit. A
2: twisted.
0: little bit or <laughs> twisted.
2: All right, we're done, right? Welcome to the episode. To yeah, the episode. A, thank you all it. for
1: listening. That's, yeah, that's good all good people job. wanted. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this, is, of course, is a blank check with Griffin mm. Davis, a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success on their careers or so give a series of blank checks make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes they laugh, and sometimes they cry, baby. And uh, we somehow backed our way into doing a weird <laughs> Erstas miniseries, I mean, Erstats miniseries. I, Erstats, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. decelerating us out of it, though. Yeah, you know what the great irony is? Yeah. We were trying to decelerate already, right? 100%. Which is why we skipped. We do
2: Shazam. And
1: it now, I now kind of view that as a regret. Yeah, that's a good move. It right. made. Well, we could do like a. I know. We'll do it somewhere I sometime. Know. I don't know. But but like uh, it it was because of scheduling, because of how long Burton was, and Dumbo was already going to come out four weeks after right. It, was it, was, it would be padding, and yeah, we were yeah. like, eh, we're maybe down throttling the DC thing in general. Um, but but here's the thing: here are two things I never could have predicted. Right. If you had told me on the outset of this year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one. You will find more value in Avengers Endgame than Joker. Two, you will find more value in Shazam than Joker.
0: Right. Three,
1: you will find more value in Aquaman than Joker. I guess that's just on Aquaman, the I, I'm enough of a James Wan Okay, okay, fair enough. You'll I find more in value that. in Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil, but than Joker. Say, sure. But I will say, well, she is the Mistress of Evil. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, I, post-Infinity War, I felt totally burned out you, you on the You mentioned it on our, our Patreon about. episodes, uh-huh. patreon.com slash blank check. Please subscribe. Please. And so I was like, "Fucking done. Don't want to see Endgame. Dreading it, right? Yeah." And likewise, I was like, "Shazam looks like diarrhea. Don't know what DC's doing. Mm-hmm. Silly. Don't love Chuck, right? <laughs> sure." And to, the, two of my favorite superhero films in years. Those two. Yeah, I and I think interesting films that are actually sort of moving the the subgenre forward a little bit. Shazam, in particular, I was very Shazam's astonished. Great. By the balance of actual dark shit, yeah, not performative dark shit. Yeah. Yeah. But also psychologically, the
2: this stuff. We talked about on our Patreon episode yes. about the, the scene with his mother and- Yeah. Yeah. All
1: that stuff. I mean, our Patreon episode of uh, Black Panther. I right. Is where we discussed this. So we were like, maybe we're done with the DC movies, but I guess we gotta do Joker because Joker seems so weird. Sure. And you and I, a year ago, after being completely flummoxed when they announced this film, started to come around to like- you know what? I
2: mean, you know, they cast De Niro and there were yeah. those location shots of them on the subway and everyone was like, and Maren was in it. Great. Right.
1: And we're like, I don't know. Maybe it's good. And we were also like, you know what? I like the idea of making like just fucking one movie.
2: Sure. Exa- right, right. Which it's is just, actually
1: what DC is basically a thing
2: that Warner Brothers is yeah. planning with these comic book movies going forward. Which I think
1: is smart. And Which it's, is
2: smart and is different from is the Marvel thing. It is the thing so, that so you have to give out. Todd
1: Phillips all the credit in the world for. All the money in the world. Well, please. Not a single penny. <laughs> was that the line? Sure. Not a Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely no nothing. No money that's, in the right. world that's what for was. you.
2: Yes. That movie is essentially the Mr. Burns joke of like, uh, where he's like, we don't have anything, you know, yeah. we don't have anything to spare. And then all the jewels fall on
1: him. And he's like, his house is falling apart. It should have been called <laughs> None of the Money in the World. Because that's what he said. Yeah, that's what How he said. How much do you want to pay for your grandson? How uh, about none of the he money? He holds in up the world. an egg. Yeah. One goose egg. Um, but no, yes, I think we, we were kind of in on the, the idea of that. Oh, no, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Todd Phelps, to his credit, mm-hmm. says now, and who knows if this is retroactive mythologizing, but this matches with the stories I had heard. He was feeling very frustrated by the lack of impact that War Dogs made. Oh, oh no, I'm so sorry, Todd. We don't make shitty movies. I agree, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. For the rest of this episode, we sure. will get to that. Uh, but he was like, "It's fucking all this superhero shit. Mm-hmm. How do we use like how How do I work within the system? Because of course, comedy had been canceled. They couldn't make comedy movies anymore.
3: Oh yeah, Griffin pointed that out uh, at the, the before the movie. Well, started.
2: Well, the film begins, of course, with the mass execution of all comedians. Comedians get executed <laughs> in the town square,
1: and also they take the guillotines drop. They take also the famous, the masks of drama and comedy. Right, right. And they rip them apart and right. they smash the comedy to the ground. Comedy's down and then it's only drama. Right. And they're holding it up and they go, this is all you can make!
2: <laughs> and the Golden Globes, of course, they, they pretend to have the two, but then it's a massacre.
1: We knew. All the comedians are are just led off to slaughter. We should have seen it coming. I mean, this is how, this is why they gave the award to the Martian, because they're trying to push comedy out. And look, I know we've all. Space
0: poop, though. What have I been, been going interviewing along Todd with Phillips,
1: it? when he
2: went on the cancel culture rant? And I was like, oh, what about the Martian? <laughs> like, Jesus, Todd. Most fabulously <laughs> successful comedy in the last
1: five years. What
2: are you talking would, about? Is this a comedy at the Globes? Maybe it is. That would be the ultimate joke. I mean, that would be pretty you know who good. No one would love that. Is Ricky this is best comedy yeah. at the Globes.
1: Rookie T, Ricky T, rookie, rookie, Ricky, Ricky T. Oh, God. The comedy is canceled. Uh, it's probably the reason why Joker got so twisted. Because sure. he can't make jokes anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: And the movie calls it out. Mm-hmm. It calls it out. And I sighed very loud. Like. <sighs> I love that moment when... I s- love the duality of him being like, I-, I should be able to joke about anything, but everyone in society has been mean to me. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. Right, it's yeah. weird. It's almost like there's this correlation between the people who claim that they're being oppressed by society... Right. Because they can't tell the jokes that they want to make about oppressed people. Hmm. It's almost like there's something there.
2: There's this great scene in Joker, a film we're going to discuss today, Ricky where he pushes some boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here's a great Sometimes boundary. Sometimes he misses. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he misses. All right, that's the end of those jokes. I have to stop making them. They're too easy. This is, I mean, this is a moment I love in Joker is when, spoiler, uh, he complains about the fact that people are so sensitive, you can't make jokes about anything, and then shoots a man point blank in the face <laughs> <laughs> and he's right we cancel murderers left and right these days hey, we're always fucking canceling murderers of talk show hosts you know it's uncomfortable we gotta talk about spoiler it spoiler
2: alert for this film by the there's
1: way there's no room for murder in woke culture <laughs> cause murder is one of the least woke things there is it's very unwoke and that's why Joker's my hero yep. uh, David what were you gonna say sorry
2: um, I just think, I thought it was a great scene when Joker did a podcast with his friend and they ranked the races <laughs>
3: And how funny they are, or how tragic they are, maybe. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I used to think ranking the races was a comedy.
1: Yeah. All right. Now I Joker. realize it's a podcast. All right. Okay. What I was gonna say is, yeah. Todd Phillips goes to Warner Brothers mm. and goes, "What if DC does the one thing that Marvel can't do? Marvel." Has built this very airtight, interconnected universe, and you've been trying to do the same and failing, and failing miserably. So let's take advantage of the fact that we failed, because he's got this overall deal at Warner Brothers. He's one of like four filmmakers who has the golden keys at Warner Brothers, right? Clint. Yep. Nolan. Uh, uh, Nolan. Yep. I'd argue Phillips, and now maybe Bradley. B key. B C. Right. Yeah. You producer know. Producer of the film Joker. Yes. But but they've talked about, you know, as uh, uh, Warner Brothers has become more and more of a corporate culture, mm-hmm. that the only three people they give that level of control to are Phillips, Nolan, and Clint. Um, yeah, sure. Right, Those right, are the right. three. Right. Yeah. So he says, I got an idea. What if you make like a black label series of DC movies? Mm-hmm. You do one-offs. You do things that are completely removed from continuity, where you sign bigger talent on. You do it more prestige, You take big genre swings. Here's my example. I'd love to do The Joker like a 70s Scorsese movie. Right. And they go, here's your blank check. Mm-hmm, pretty much.
2: I mean, I, he, I believe almost literally in the Vanity Fair cover story yeah. of about Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. uh, says like, you know what? I'll find the quote because Please it's tip. actually worth it. But basically, I think the movie to cost, um, he, he, he says $55 million, yeah. um, which is, you know, a chunk of change.
1: It's not a not not Justice League money, but it is you know. very expensive for a drama. It's and expensive it's very for an R rated drama. Inexpensive for a comic book movie, which I think was the selling point. Right. Uh,
2: and he says, uh, in pitching the movie to Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. Phillips said, "Think of this as a heist movie." Yes. And Joaquin was like, "What are you talking about? There's like no action in this movie." Yeah. Uh, and he was like, "No, no, no, my friend." Made a little joke, Mm. he said, we're going to take $55
1: million from uh, Warner Brothers and do whatever we want. And then he was promptly cancelled because jokes are illegal. Also, podcasts are fading.
2: Joaquin, of course, he's a good citizen, called
1: the police. He did. And they came and they guillotined Todd Phillips. Citizens (laughs) arrested. (laughs) And that's why this movie was directed by Todd Phillips head in a jar. Oh, God. Uh, But, but, yes. I mean, here's the thing about this movie. Uh, I don't like it. I was... Not a fan? Not a fan. And I I gotta say, I was a little surprised and frustrated by the ways in which I didn't like it. Okay. Because I was trying not to preload him with expectations, Mm -hmm. but I kind of thought I knew how I was going to feel about this thing.
2: (laughs) Well, so... I think that's fair because this film has been accompanied with a lot of discussion and hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than pretty much any movie this year, right? Uh, right up there, certainly. Uh,
1: arguably more than any movie in years.
2: And so first, let me talk about myself for a sec because um, I'm very important and you know, you're trying to cancel me. Wow. Uh, but first, I saw the movie first on like the wave, on, like, wave three of hype. Retired whereas bit. I feel like you saw it on like wave six or whatever, right? right.
1: Venice is the premiere. The film first premieres First wave of, of reviews.
2: Uh, people, a few of my critic friends saw it. Other yes. critics see it. Uh, the reaction was pretty positive, yeah. but the I would say American critics were more mixed and more like
1: this might be a little dangerous.
2: Uh, right, right, right. Liz is bad for the culture. Was right. sort of uh, brewing. Out
1: right, there. not are people going to shoot up a theater? Dangerous, but is this bad for the culture? Dangerous.
2: So, so that all happens. Right. That's all resolved. Then I am at the Toronto Film Festival where uh-huh. Joker will premiere in a couple days. Mm-hmm. I am getting ready to see Pain and Glory, the wonderful Pedro. Retire your bit, and I'm just. Scrolling through my phone. Scrolling away. Scrolling,
0: scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's like, oh, the
2: Venice Awards are being announced. Oh, Oh, and Lucretia Martel, famous comic book (laughs) hater. One of our finest living filmmakers. A great great filmmaker. She was the jury chair this year. And it's sort of like, it's one of those things where, you know, the winners get invited Mm -hmm. to the ceremony. And people are like, well, Joker is there. So perhaps, like, Joaquin won an award. Sure. And it's sort of like the awards like start winning. It's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. Joker didn't win that one. Right. Joker didn't win that one. And then we got to the scenario where it was only Roman Polanski's movie and Joker were left. The exact <laughs> scenario you want to be in. Roman Polanski's movie won the runner up. Joker won the Golden Lion uh, of Venice. The first studio movie to win. We were looking
1: at it in quite a long time. Uh, 1990? I think think it was 80. Was it 80? I thought we found one other thing. 80, it was Gloria and... And Atlantic City, right? Right, Wasn't that the the, the duo? They tied 1980, but I thought we found one other one. Oh, oh,
2: Michael Collins. Thank you. That was the other one. 96. So,
1: at at that that point, point, I'm like, huh. A festival that rarely awards American films and even more rarely awards studio films. Right. So, I'm like, I mean, I start to have it. I'm like,
2: maybe it's good. Like, maybe like... I know people are kind of creeped out by it, and I get that, but like, what if it's like really cool? like, like good? Sure, like, you know, like, I
1: want to be very clear about something right here. All three of us would love nothing more than to love this movie. Oh,
2: sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure right? Yeah. We, we would, especially.
1: Yeah. Well, no, me especially. No, come on. No, but I think all three of us for different reasons have been holding on to this little hope of like, what if it's great? Like, what if it's actually kind of an important work?
3: Yeah. I mean, I love Joaquin.
1: And it would be nice so to see those elements come together in mm. a way that crystallizes, like, a movie that speaks to our times. I'm not saying has some sort of fucking message. But even beyond that,
2: yeah, even if it was just an effective thriller, like, with sort of, you know, throwback aesthetics, don't have to love it, but I could right. have liked it. That's a,
1: there are any number of ways I think... Any combination of the sure. three of us could I was have been very
2: satisfied by this one. I was at the, the we had a blanky meetup uh, with fans at the Toronto Film Festival, mm-hmm. and it was like the day before I saw Joker, and I was very much throwing around the like, maybe it's good concept yeah, to right. people. Then I saw Joker at Toronto, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that was a slog. It's incredibly one note. I was really disappointed with it, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, I was genuinely surprised at myself for sort of getting, you know, sort yeah. of
1: swept up in the hype, because I was like, oh. that's that's my thing I because talk about the waves of this thing since Toronto and since the Venice win it has just become this breathless cycle of debate largely between people who have not seen this movie I know right it's just on and on the worst conversations have been happening between the people who have not seen the movie and this sort of discourse about like oh fuck we're going to put security guards in theaters because there's 100% (sighs) going to be a shooting which to me especially after seeing this movie I think, and we are out of the opening weekend of this film, sure. right? Yeah. No incidents reporting other than, you know, people vaping in the theater being kicked out. Thank you everyone on Twitter for tagging of me course. in any of those stories. Right. But there have been zero stories of anything happening at a Joker screening that would not have happened at an Olympus has fallen screening, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. Or even a good boy's screening. Yeah. Um, but Joker, I, bad boy. In a certain way, that is true. The original Bad Boy comedy. Just pointing that out. Uh, in a certain way, it feels like that was more dangerous. Mm. Was the sort of like, it almost felt like uh, the news media was trying to will into existence some sort of large calamity connected to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then guess. you watch it, know. and it feels kind of like empty, half hearted provocation.
2: That's how it felt to me, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right, so then, right, we see it in Toronto. I feel like the buzz of Toronto was a little more mixed. The movie comes out. The reviews in America are very mixed. It's mm-hmm. certainly not. And then two boys, Griffin Newman and David, uh, Ben Hosley, mm-hmm. not David Sims. Sure. Have we
1: introduced this podcast? We did, we did, we did. did Griffin all. Newman. Yeah. Like
2: went to see it, uh, you know, one lovely morning. Went to uh, see The Joker. We saw a
1: 10.30 a.m. screening.
3: I would like to point out, we were sitting next to a young man Mm -hmm.
1: drinking two Coors Lights, Tallboys, ten thirty in the morning. Make it very clear, ten thirty in the morning. Mm. Uh, We got that uh, cool, cool matinee pricing. Yep. But uh, we sat there and kind of, uh, I, I, I truly. Did you see any good trailers? uh, What do we see? We saw the Michael G. Michael the Michael G. Borden movie. (laughs) Ben's very excited for Just Mercy. I tried to tell him. Uh, it's very okay, unfortunately. No. You know, it's sort of regular. Just Mercy sure. is just kind of perfunctory. It's like that guy, really good
2: guy. The movie's like he's good, and you're like, yes. Mm. <laughs> you walk out, and you're like, what a good guy.
0: We <laughs> like,
1: saw, I mean, the, which is fine. We saw he the, is a good guy. The R-rated red band trailer for, for Just Mercy. <laughs> 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 no, no, for what? Unrated, out of control. Um, <laughs> the, for uh, Zombieland Two, Double Tap. Oh yeah, uh, which I uh, found very funny. I point out to Ben. It has the um, the Chyron's uh, uh, from the director of Venom. Sure, right, right, and right. And the writers of Deadpool. Mm. Because those are the jobs that they those- They went on to. After making <laughs> right. Zombieland. It's
2: not like they were hired to revamp. They, they're the Zombieland guys. They're the Zombieland should guys. should say from the writers and directors of Zombieland.
1: Right. <laughs> and instead, it's like everyone involved in Zombieland, a movie that is fine. Yeah, it's fine. I saw in theaters and was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but everyone involved since then has had at least one colossal hit. Well, it almost
2: it should be like from the director of Zombieland, but also Venom, or, right. right? Like because, right. but also Gangster Squad,
0: right? right.
2: <laughs> like it should be apologizing.
1: But you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> no, I know I- it's, Eisenberg it's, Oscar right. nomination, yeah. Harold two Oscar nominations, love him Stone uh, two nominations, one winner, three, uh, three Birdman. What's the third? But La La Land. What's the favorite? Thir- Oh right, of course. Great performance. Three nominations, one win. Yeah. Abigail Breslin, I guess, is the only person. She already had her. Was Oscar. already. She, <laughs> right. right.
2: She was coasting in to Zombieland as the Oscar winner I think of the. It the
1: and. It was and Academy Award nominee Abigail Breslin. Oh right, she doesn't have a win. She has no. the nomination. no no no. no. Right, right. Um. Right, and it was like that was like the spec script that got uh uh what's what's their names? Rhett and Wernick, the screenwriters on the map. That was Ruben Fleischer's debut film. It was like everyone went I know on. How I I set you on this tangent. It's a great tangent. Had this big career, and then I love them just being like, hey, you loved Venom and I'm in Deadpool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it
1: is a weird time, though, to like be sitting in a theater, mm. seeing a... A a, a serious Golden Lion winning Joker movie. Joker movie that just opened in nearly a hundred million dollars Yeah, and the trailer beforehand is boasting its connection to (laughs) to Deadpool and Venom. Right. Two other like you can't make a movie out of those characters. Sure.
2: Two other that
1: that material doesn't (laughs) work. These are three characters that are ostensibly kind of anti-heroes at best and Absolute villains at worst, sure. psychopaths at worst. Who are not, you know, they exist to bounce off of people. And totally. instead, they
2: all got their own movies,
1: right? Yeah, like three characters where you're like, you cannot make a movie in which they not are not standing in juxtaposition. Yeah, the whole point is they're the opposite side. Especially Joker and Venom. They're especially Jim- Deadpool. When Deadpool, but like he's riffing on the series. He's, well, he's riffing. David, can I tell you something? Ben,
2: be just have the have your okay. trigger finger ready. Okay. Okay, like on SNL when, like, Jenny Slade is saying Frag a lot or whatever, and you got a- Richard Pryor's
0: hosting.
1: <laughs> okay. David? I'm ready. Deadpool knows that he's in a movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: What am I supposed to do? Cheer. <laughs> cheer.
1: <laughs> yeah, great. Rise to your feet and cheer.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, boy. No, but it was just oh, one boy. of these things where I was just like- yeah, I mean, you remember how much we were all clowning on the idea, like, they're gonna make a fucking Gambit movie with Channing Tatum? Yeah. And now I'm like, make literally anything. At this point, we I make guess- make a fucking Marrow movie, I, guess I don't know. all of them work. Yeah, sure. Pick right? any one. I guess any one of them, because the- weird... Maggot? Remember Maggot? Make a Maggot movie.
2: We could do it. We could do it. Do you know, can I tell you about Maggot? One yeah. of the most, all, the most 90s X-Men ever, he was in like- Eight issues and he might are like, have the single
1: that might be the single weirdest superpower ever. Because There are ones that are sillier, right? Mm-hmm. But they make sense.
2: He's a big boy, he's kind okay. of blue, blue skinned. He's from South Africa for Short. some reason. He's got like white okay. hair, He's right? got white yeah. hair. He's got a whole look. He's got like red goggles, white hair. He's blue skinned. He's all over the and place. And he's in
1: that post gambit phase where he's like got the long trench coat. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not wearing like a uniform. Look. He's wearing like here's his, he looks kind of like the crow. Here's
2: his power he doesn't eat food with his mouth, Mm-mm. he has two metal creatures that look like maggots. trilobites that he calls maggots they, that can eat anything they come out of his tummy they come out of his tum tum they eat whatever up. they want to eat and then they go back inside his tum tum and like
1: you know give him the food you know a straight line <laughs> <laughs> a very clean, understandable superpower, and the X-Men introduced That's this Not guy. a
3: superpower, though. Like, wait. well,
1: I mean, it's
2: a mutant power in that it's sort of like, sort of a curse. You know, like classic. Oh, okay. here he is.
1: I guess the idea was the power is like, oh, the, the maggots. See him yeah, if there's I a do. brick wall. The maggots could eat through the brick wall. That was that was
2: kind of all he had to offer, right? And they introduced him as like, "Get ready, the next X Man is here,
0: Maggot!"
2: Like you know, they were like rolling yeah. out the red carpet for Maggot. Like, there's so a- let's make a Maggot movie. Sure. Todd
1: Phillips, get him on the horn. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Well, unfortunately, Marvel doesn't have a black label. Marvel doesn't have a black label. Oh.
2: Yeah. He- Isn't this also like um, AMC presents? Like it's like being
1: it's like the AMC of Fine Art. Yes. <laughs> The movie's making a gajillion dollars. Yeah, AMC Artisan is now any movie with a budget under $100 million. That's what's crazy, right? Ostensibly. Any movie that just is like
2: not in a cinematic universe. It can be a comic book
1: movie. But I I feel like AMC Artisan was slapped on almost every trailer we saw today. It might have been on the fucking Zombieland 2 trailer. It was on everything. Um, uh, Phillips apparently – Actually, was like we should come up with a different name. Oh, like, really? We should have like a fucking studio imprint. Oh, and call it like DC Black Label or DC Vertigo or like, whatever, like Marvel Knights or whatever, like right. all those. Games. Right. right. Um, and
2: it doesn't have the DC logo. I forget. It does. It does not. No. No. no it just has the great uh 70s Warner logo. Right. The, the red and and
1: your big logo. question you had. It's cool. Since you saw oh, it. Oh, does it have the golden lion? It does imprint. not have Fuck the golden that. lion imprint. Fuck that bullshit! Sorry. Sorry.
2: So mad.
1: It's such bullshit. Usually whatever film wins the Golden Lion has like a title card before the movie where it says like winner Golden Lion and the like the Festival logo. Yeah, Uh, we usually see that in independent and foreign films that win major, uh, prestigious uh, European film awards. They want to celebrate pictures of the Joker.
2: It's a brag, a huge brag. But it
1: was just the idea of, oh man, this is the first studio film to win the Golden Lion in twenty years. How cool would it be? Twenty plus years if a movie being released on three thousand screens opening weekend starts with. The Golden Lion bro. <sighs> Whatever. I feel like The Shape of Water probably didn't either, did it? Or Roma. Did that win The Golden Lion? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if it... I guess it probably didn't either. I I guess I put... Fuck that. I feel like unless it's for... Brag! It, you yeah. won the award! Everyone should brag, and they shouldn't be humble about it. If this movie ended with Joker getting the Golden Lion, maybe it wouldn't kill Robert De Niro. Well, in a certain way, wasn't that the most twisted thing Joker ever did? Yeah. Was getting the Golden Lion. All right. All right. Um we we uh went to see a screening of a different movie last night called Gemini Man, which we will be talking about next week on this very podcast. Yes. Much better. And I said to you, better than Joker, do you agree? Uh yes. Okay. And you asked me if I'd seen Joker yet, and I said no, and I am relishing my final hours of not having an opinion on this movie. It was this thing where like honestly, truly, despite being someone who's something of an omnivore and likes to be part of the conversation,
2: yeah, you were just I like, found it so it's, it's fucking nice exhausting. to not have to uh, have an opinion.
1: If we were not doing it on this podcast, I would have waited six months for it to end up on fucking HBO Max or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I just was like, you know what? This all just feels like a fucking nightmare. Right. And then to see it and feel like there's not much there there. There isn't much there there. And the the key to this entire movie, which was my big take that I was gonna come in with, and then I believe Sam Adams over at Vox, beat me no, to uh, it. No, Slate, but yes. At Slate, sorry. Uh, was, is that, uh, the, the key to understanding this entire movie mm. is that Todd Phillips' career started... Ben's gonna like this. Oh, Ben's oh, ready know. to oh, jump, jump into this. He has seen the film itself. Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: I never wanted to. It seemed awful.
1: It's disgusting. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, thank you.
1: What's the title again?
2: Uh, it's called Hated. Hated. Mm. Uh, a uh,
1: Documentary... John Todd Phillips's first feature. Todd Phillips has an NYU About G. G. Student Allen, yes. Adored Gigi Allen, booked him to perform at NYU, mm. made a documentary with his participation that was finished after Gigi Allen died. Right. And so it stood as right? this final yeah. kind of testament because and there's a Allen quote I want
3: to read is like a racist find. punk rock uh guy who was really really on the fringe of that scene that subculture and Definitely is like for like example, the best show sort of used him as a comedic foil very often because uh-huh. it his act was so gratuitous, disgusting. He would smash bottles on his head, right. he, he would him poop on stage. Poop. Right. He would shit he on just, the stage
1: and throw it at the audience. And his
3: idea was he was so punk rock and the his shows, the pits were so crazy that you could die if you right. went to his
1: show. Right. It was the ultimate act of provocation. But it also and was. his music was bad. Right. And racist. Right. And but it, sexist. It was and,
2: all just to stir up anger. Totally. Like right. that,
1: that, every, every button he was pushing, right. I'm right. assuming, was just a- to get and, people riled. And right. he was an incredibly manic heroin addict. Yes. You know? I mean, yeah, it was he like. just he died because he d- had too much heroin. Right. Right? right. Like, but, yeah, mean, he od Too which, much? Which will lead to the quote I'm going to read. But he was sort of the like uh, uh, nihilistic, uh, antagonistic uh, shadow of like someone like daniel johnson right where it's like here's this weird outsider artist okay but daniel johnson is this sort of like sweet kind of like lovable energy i said to the him, shadow version. He, right No, yeah, exactly i'm right, saying they're, right, they're yeah, the yeah, polar yeah. opposites right, sure, sure, right. Sure. where it's the same kind of thing where it's like you're going to watch this bizarre thing and try to engage in this thing right. and these guys exist in their own weird universes for sure and daniel johnson is all about craft right yeah. It's all about like, oh, to most people, this might sound like childish music. But if you actually are listening, his songwriting is like incredibly intelligent, right? Yep. His compositions are incredibly intelligent, and you're sure, watching sure, a man sure. let you of into like his a natural brain. natural genius. Right. right, right and Gigi right, is like, right. I'm throwing everything at you. My music is ostensibly garbage, right. and I'm just spewing hate. But the, what you're watching is pure, unfiltered id. In a way, in both cases, that is fasting Two people.
3: And Todd and a lot of other people that sort of, I guess, supported Gigi Allen as they looked at it as performance art. Yes. Correct. I sure. have no opinion on that. I think right. that's a stupid. Sort of a weird line. Why down, would anyone want to go to a show and potentially get murdered and pooped on?
2: I don't, I mean, the, the Gigi Allen's of the world, I guess, were after that. I mean, isn't it a famous story that, like, when they premiered the movie, he was still alive? They, like, shot more after he died. Okay. And like at the premiere, he like threw a bunch of beer bottles, injured a woman, yeah. and then ran away because the cops were called. Like he was he was it's stupid. It was annoying.
1: Well, that, well but also is, he was like, this is a good movie. But this is also where the Daniel Johnson comparison comes in. I've been thinking about Daniel Johnson a lot because he passed away recently. <laughs> sure. Was we'll an artist it. I loved. Yep. But in both cases, I feel like those guys were erroneously framed as performance art. Yeah. Were they like were Daniel what Daniel Johnson's doing so saying. weird. Yep. Because he is a mentally ill man, right? and he is not concerned with the same sort of trappings of presentation that most of us are, that people were like, I'm not watching him play. I'm thinking about the larger context of this quote-unquote simple man with his cassette recorder, right? Yeah. When really, if you want to take that guy seriously, you can take his music seriously. There is art there, right? Absolutely. And Gigi Allen is like the opposite where it's like, oh, all this shit is performance art. He's making a point. It's like, no, this is a mentally ill man. Yeah, who is being encouraged because people think there's some sort of meaning in the fact that he is like shitting in a way uh, on stage, that he is causing violence, that there's some sort of statement here. All right, let's let's Here's move the quote out. Of I want to okay, read though right. because it's very right, okay. important. Okay, yeah. this is from the Sam Adams Slate article, and he said, "Hated ends with Alan's funeral after a fatal heroin overdose, and rather than express sorrow at Alan's death, because Todd Phillips is the narrator of okay. Hated." I know. Okay? Mm-hmm. Phillips, I'm not going to watch that movie. You'd never have to uh, until we George our Phillips. Honestly, downstairs. David, seriously don't. <laughs> okay, I won't. Because yeah. there's stuff I now have seen that I can never forget. Sure. Phillips mourns that he went out in such a hackneyed rock star manner. It's true, right? Here, he has right Quote, here. personally, Phillips says, I always hoped he would go out in a more glorious fashion. On stage suicide, five dead fans, something rock and roll could never ignore. And as Sam Adams says, that sentiment drives dangerously with both Joker itself and the people who have used the occasion of its release to threaten public displays of violence. Right. Todd Phillips once thought murder suicide was a joke. Now he's made a movie about a man who laughs at it, and it kind of is the whole fucking thing, right? Like it's sort of this perfect bookmark of his career. Can we do a brief amount of Todd Phillips' uh, career context since we're in this brief. quarter? Yes, right. Okay. So he makes the Gigi Allen hated documentary, mm. which gets some attention because Gigi Allen. Gets attention. He yes. is a topic of Correct. discussion. It's probably one of the uh, many reasons he made it. Much like the Joker of his time. Yes. Then he made Frat House. Right. So he his follow-up is he makes a documentary about Frat House culture, which uh, people loved. It premiered at Slamdance?
2: Yeah. No, it was at Sundance. It was at Sundance. Property. And I believe okay. it won uh, some kind of documentary award, and then there was a lot of controversy over the fact that some of the f- footage in it was staged. Yes. And so documentarians got mad about it, and it wasn't aired on HBO it was supposed to be. And like, what, But also I, I
1: think that many of the people, uh, the subjects of the film sort of fought against the release of it. I'm sure they did. I, I think there was a mix of both, that some of it was staged and that some of the people caught doing, uh, you know. Uh,
2: yeah, but there, there's like these scenes of hazing that were that Phillips made up. Right. And like, I mean, he paid people to stage them. And he was like, well, Michael Moore does it. And everyone yeah. was like, Okay, I mean, like, not the greatest defense in the world,
1: right? Uh, he also started like an underground New York film festival. That was him being like, the real shit isn't being screened, and it was a lot of God, fucking so documentaries exhausted. on taboo <laughs> subjects. Right? I am too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but <sighs> frat house leads to him making Road Trip, which is a direct yeah. result of American Pie and the sort of resurgence of the Porky-style 80s sex comedy. Ivan Reitman, friend of the show, (laughs) future guest. Yes, who Uh, has the director of Animal House and sort of the progenitor of that genre. He met him
2: at Sundance when he had the Frat House movie.
1: Right. Right. Uh, Montecito Pictures, the Ivan Reitman company, has a first-look deal at DreamWorks, and I think they sort of go, in the wake of American Pie, Ivan, you should be the guy. Make an American Pie. Anoint a new dude. Find a new... But I think it's also just like, Make a movie like that. Make a college Make comedy. A, Yeah, exactly. Make a college comedy for us. Cause Cause when at, Ro- at this point, Reitman's out of that. Reitman's like, Dave, Six Days, Seven Nights. Yeah, but they're right, like, right, find right. a new guy who's like you, who has the anarchic spirit that you had in the 80s because, when you were producing Animal House like a, and when you were directing Meatballs and all that shit. American Pie came out, I think,
2: July 99. Road Trip is like May 2000. So yes. it's like, you know, I think just the minute it came out, they were like, just direct response, round some people up. Have some teens,
3: right? There's sex. Who do they like? Tom,
2: Tom Green. Green. Put him, him in the movie. Yeah, whatever. And of
1: course, American Pie, directed by friend of the podcast, actual friend of the podcast, <laughs> Chris White. Chris, the White. Chris White, who we've talked about that movie with him both on and off podcast, and the way he talks about it is very fascinating. Where he and his brother had been uh, working screenwriters for a long time, really wanted to direct something, right? And he was like, "I'm very uncomfortable sexuality. I was very uncomfortable with the idea of directing love scenes. It was not our type of material." But it was like the one like we'd been fighting so hard to get the chance to make any movie. And that was the thing they offered us. And I feel like if you go back and watch the original American Pie, it is a lot less raunchy than people remember it being. It has like. It, it,
2: no, it's yeah. It's very the, much. It kind of feels like a lot of those 80s ones where it's right. Like kind of not raunchy. And then there it'll be like moments of sort of like it's contained f- raunch. Right. Like pieces. little set pieces. Right. But
1: it's yeah. weird how much of that movie is emotional. Yes, it's and sort you're like of a, it's that's, sort of a half sweet movie, right? It's a because weird one. it's the guys who wanted to be making about a boy are right. trying to put as much of that Ro- into Road that movie. Trip
2: is about a, like a douchebag who right. cheats on. His, I mean Breck and Mayer, who's like you know we 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 enjoy Breck and Mayor a sweet faced man, sure. But like he cheats on his girlfriend, but
1: that's a classic example has to
2: catch the video
1: before it reaches his. Uh, Girlfriend. That right. is a classic example of that type of comedy casting, where it's like cast an eminently likable, sweet-faced man right, right. to play a character who is written as a reprehensible douchebag, so um, that the yeah. audience kind of roots for them because their innate charm yes. overcomes the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. reading of their We can't talk behavior. too
2: much about this stuff, but exactly, this is all you're right. Important. I mean, Sean, do you want to talk about the Joker. Joker. Well, we have talk about it a little bit. But my favorite thing about Tate. Road Trip is that Sean William Scott is in it. Yeah. Is Stifler, basically. Yes, right.
1: Like, they don't even, they're like, oh, it's my friend, like, Iftler. Like, right. I mean, like, he's just the same character. And Tom Green had just popped, and yeah. they were like, can we shoot, like, he just one does, week yeah, with He him. just does a set, basically. He just does weird monologues. He's like, the guy who doesn't go on the road yeah, trip. Yeah, he just talks to people. He narrates the movie, and most of it, he's just in a room by himself. Uh, and who else
2: is in it? Uh, DJ Qualls. His breakout, uh, of course, became our next great movie star. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played... Paula Costanzo. The, the Animorph, right? <laughs> <It's at> him. <laughs> and then he was in Joey. I don't know what he's well, been and doing he since was, then. he is in uh, Josie and the
1: podcast, his best performance. Of course, of course. Uh, so there was Alexander that. Cabot. I guess it did well. It did well. It did. Um, and that sets him off. Old school, which I think is the most... Uh, sort of a purely functional Todd Phillips movie. that That is the one where, and I've been a little afraid to rewatch Old School in the last couple of years, mm. but I think you got those three guys just at the moment where they're totally honing in on their movie star personas. Mm-hmm. He sort of reclaimed Vaughn from the post-Swingers wilderness. It's the first real strong Will Ferrell movie role, mm-hmm. which then leads into Elf later that fall. And it's like Luke Wilson getting to be like his perfect sort of straight man character, right? Yep. And it's got the right level of like the Todd Phillips anarchy while also feeling like the movie has a soul. And not a performative soul. I don't like that movie. Old school. I was a big fan of it.
3: I don't like
2: it. I've not seen it. I've never liked it. I mean, I never, I didn't hate it. I thought Will Ferrell was funny.
3: I'll say this: like now, I, I, I
2: always thought it was like just okay. I, like, wasn't I, always, I, I always
1: really liked it. They, yeah. I liked it. I yeah. remember that like, was my favorite of that. F- yeah, yeah, like like Wedding Crashers, which I despise. But I'd now, always be like, old school's the one that for me actually works. There old is a scene where Wedding Crash
3: unquestionably yeah. better than yeah. there's mud wrestling. Yes. and an old man has a heart attack. and yes. dies, but they're all like,
2: old blue is that his old name blue? Yeah, but it's like
3: sort of set up where it's like, well, he died with a boner.
2: So I don't know if. All right. Look with that, with that. All right. So yeah, road trip. Okay, old school. Okay. Okay. Right. And Starsky and Hutch. He makes like sort of a big, big star studio comedy.
1: America's right? favorite uh, uh, studio head Harvey Weinstein goes. Todd Phillips is the new guy. Signs him to a three-picture deal, I believe. They do Starsky and Hutch, which does pretty well. Yeah. Um, I've then, seen it. I don't remember it that well. It's fine. It's yeah. like uh, totally whatever. Right? right. Then he does. Uh, then he did School for Scoundrels, which correct? is his one big flop. Yeah. Uh, Is that Thornton, Billy? It's Thornton and Heater, yeah. John Heater.
2: Billy Bob Thornton has talked about how, like, after Bad Santa, yeah. like, studios are just like, just keep doing this. You're going to play a horn dog, Woodcock. Yeah. Woodcock, this, Bad News Bears. Yes. Like, right, you'll just play, like, the bad
1: right. man. right. He did his run there. And this was, like, the peak of that and the peak of everyone going, like, how do we fucking make John Heater a movie star? Yeah, God, yeah. And luckily, finally, right, America right. snapped out of that one. The bottoms fall out on both of them on this movie, and the movie makes like no impression at the box office. And Philip seems a little down and out, right? Right, right. His right, Weinstein right, right. deal had kind of crashed. And it was like, wasn't that supposed to be the next big studio comedy director? And he starts going through this crisis. He sets up a movie with Jack Black called Man Witch. <laughs> Great that is about a grown, slacker, school-of-rock-esque man who finds out that he is, in fact, a wizard, gets sent to a Hogwarts-type school. That's what it's... A- okay. So the premise okay. was, imagine Jack Black in a high fantasy yeah. school environment, whatever. Ha, 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 ha. Right, so it was like oh, a, was a, very, a very broad sort of PG-13 family uh-huh. comedy studio premise, and Jack Black pulled out very late in the game, and Todd Phelps is like, I don't know what I'm fucking doing anymore. I'm waiting around for movie stars. No one's let me make an R-rated comedy, right? right? And he makes the big career decision of his life, which is Vince Vaughn was down. Mm-hmm. Will Ferrell had not been a movie star yet. Well, I guess he, he had supporting roles, but that was really his breakout. Oh, um, you mean old school? Th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I
0: get you know okay, cast
1: so- of Road Trip. I discovered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I have some history of finding people, making some comedy stars. I want to do that, and I want to make a dirty R-rated movie again. I want to make a movie where there's not the same level of studio interference I've had from the last couple of projects I've made and the ones I've tried and failed to get made. Yeah. So he finds the script, The Hangover, mm-hmm. and he goes, this is funny. And he goes to Warner Brothers and he says, I want to cast whoever the fuck I want. We've, we've talked about this. Legendary they, co-signs they basically it. basically,
2: like, thirded his budget in right. return for... You'll make money on it if it works and you get to is, cast who you want. I
1: mean, right. you got to give him credit. It ended up being one of the smartest career decisions yes. a director has made in modern studio history. Yes. He said, what is the number where if it is under that budget, you will let me cast whoever I want? And they said $27 million. And he went, great. And he picked Bradley Cooper, who had been the best friend or the rival boyfriend in a bunch of movies but was not a leading man. Right. He picks uh, Ed Helms. Who's sort of the you know 14th guy from The Office. Right. right and uh, Zach Galifianakis, who we knew was one of the funniest people alive and who I think a lot of people had been like, someday he should one be
2: whispered-about-all-comedian guys.
1: And yeah. also was a good actor. When he would appear in movies, he was a good actor, but he rarely had large roles. And he makes the movie, and it explodes. And because he asked for no money and demanded that kind of control, his director salary was like $10,000 yeah. or $100,000, whatever the fuck it was, and he ended up making like $80 million. It was his George Lucas Star Wars deal. It was a big deal. That's true. But I think it's important to say that Todd Phillips has, like, $100 million in the bank. He's Richmond. Okay? Yes. He's one of the most He's a financially successful yes. directors. So, of course, he does two Hangover sequels to diminishing returns. Although Hangover 2 makes bonkers make, amounts make, make of money. money. Yes. yes. Even 3
2: crossed 100. Didn't it? Right. You know, but
1: whatever. people are kind of going like uh, that. They went, they went back too many times. Do you guys have those steel books? Uh, for the hangover trilogy? Yeah. I'm waiting for the four K re release. Okay. Um, I also made Due Date, which you're a fan of. I'm a big fan of, and I will get to that in a second.
2: Uh, <laughs> we're like an hour in, we haven't talked about the Joker. You said
1: I don't want to talk about it. No,
2: come on, man. Don't, we're
1: don't talk fight about with me. the Joker. We gotta talk about this movie. We're yeah. gonna talk about it. Right. Okay, but I think the the Phillips of it all is the most interesting thing about this movie. Yeah. For yeah. better or worse. Yeah, sure. Let's, okay.
2: Yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on.
1: I don't like the hangover movies. No. I think the first one's really gross, and the thing I think is really gross about it is it's, like, the worst of both worlds where it's all about depravity, but the whole movie's about, like, but actually they're nice guys. Yeah, that's what I, – I, I don't
2: like those movies. Yeah. And then the third one tries to be in on the joke or whatever, but, like, at that point, Which here. Which is
1: the one thing I find kind of interesting about it. I like it the most for the, of the three in a franchise I don't like. Yeah. But the first two, it's like, well, they didn't really mean it. They were drunk, whatever, you know? But it's about like fucking having your cake and eating it too. The whole movie is about how it's can you give everyone the thrill of watching CD behavior but saying actually, but they're good guys and they don't remember doing it and they don't know what
2: they It's do. also just not that funny. It's just not that funny. And that's my main funny. problem with that movie. Just not that don't funny. Don't find
1: it funny. Yeah. I, I saw I mean, it in theaters. I was very excited to see it. I didn't laugh. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Due Date is, I feel like, the only Todd Phillips movie that actually has something to say about the human condition. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, a movie kind of about him. And that's a movie about how every single person uh, lives uh, directly uh, in the the damage or the benefits of the presence of their father or lack thereof. Sure, that everyone is very much defined, especially men. Let's say, right? I, sure, I men haven't seen in you society did. are very much defined by their relationships with their father and trying to come out from under the shadow or overcome an abusive father or a negligent father or an overly doting father. And uh, due date is two men with two completely diametric uh, relationships to their fathers who are both completely damaged by them, stuck on a road trip while one guy's trying to get back home in time for his son to be delivered. And it's him sort of reckoning with the fact that he had a shitty father and he's a shitty person. He's probably going to be a shitty dad. Hmm. It is a dark movie. But it is one of his only movies, if not his only movie, that I think is actually trying to say something about that darkness rather than just using it as window dressing for fucked up shit. Okay. Okay? Sure. So that's what I kind of like about it. It's Donnie Jr. giving his only fucking non-stark performance. Yes. And I think the most reined in and the most human they've ever come up with a a Galifianakis movie character uh, in his sort of leading man era. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, but he goes from that. He does the Hangover sequels. Mm-hmm. He does War Dogs, which is like I'm trying to make the step to Scorsese. People kind of shrug it off, and then he takes his big. Have swing you seen War Dogs? I've watched the first three minutes of War Dogs <laughs> on HBO Go, <laughs> uh-huh. and I fell asleep and mm-hmm. I never finished it. It's not very good. It seemed fine um, It seemed completely whatever. To
3: it's me. just the characters are awful people.
1: Yeah,
2: it's that. It has that issue a little bit of the cake and eat it, which is a classic Phillips yeah. issue. Uh it's got this Jonah Hill performance that's fairly compelling, but he's playing a monster. He's a great actor. Um everything I mean, Teller is kind of god awful in it and yeah. his stuff is bad and you know, his whole thing of like, you know, I just kind of got sucked into being an arms dealer it's and like so And you're just like, like I don't yeah, one, I don't believe you, two, I don't care. Right. You know, like why am I paying any attention to you? Bradley Cooper shows up near the end, much yeah. like in Joy, he's kind of good. And suddenly there's like a little bit of energy.
1: Wait, so you mean Bradley Cooper producer of Joker? That's right. Yeah. PGA, yeah,
2: and uh, and but like in the, it, it was a shitty movie, and right. Yeah. So he's like, oh god, what am I gonna do now? I guess I'll make a gigantic blockbuster Joker movie about murder.
1: Well, and also he can't make comedies anymore because comedy's canceled. That's why we all the funny guys stopped that. doing comedy. Yes, I know there's zero funny guys left. <laughs> um, I uh, will say this though, yeah. Uh, uh, Dan Devito locked the gates this week.
2: Well, uh, M- Marin. That's where Marin talked about Phillips, right? And kind of laid him out.
1: He did a great fucking He kind of locked his gates. Mark Marin's got his one-scene role in this movie. It's pretty good. Mark Marin hates superhero movies. He's been shitting on him. He made it very clear. I took this movie. I wanted to work with Bobby. That was it. Right. I got one scene with De Niro. He's one of my idols. I want to work with him, right? But I don't like superhero movies. I'm kind of like... The press that I'm in, one. Well, this that's isn't a it super. Is. It's it's a comic book movie. That was right. his other justification. Yeah. It's barely one of these. I picked it because of Denereal. We're hopefully trying to do something different. Whatever. I have one scene. Right. And the movie comes out, and Todd Phelps goes on the defensive, yeah, as these make... people always seem to do when they're successful and have been able to do everything they want. The whole first. thing. I'm like, you're doing great, buddy. You're doing great. Pure blank check. If you want to make a comedy right now, you can make it. Todd. His producing you know, you, partner, his shingle at Warner Brothers, is him and Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. It's two of the they're only doing great. four guys at Warner Brothers they're doing great. who have carte blanche, are united together. They can do whatever the fuck they want, especially post-Joker. But somehow these people always seem to think that everyone's preventing them because they're saying that they don't like the things they make. Which is free speech. All right, look. Enough. Our podcast. All right, enough. Enough. We're going to talk about Joker now. But Maren Marin yeah.
2: D- yeah, 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 went yeah. on
1: this incredible run explaining... You're allowed to say whatever you want. Yeah. And people are allowed to respond however you want. And if you feel like you can't be funny while thinking about other people's rights, then you're probably just not that funny. Right. Then you probably aren't that good at comedy. Or, yeah. or you need to work harder. Right. Or the only things oh, you so find Todd funny.
2: Isn't a comedian are at the expense of other people. Like I have no sympathy for Todd Phillips. It doesn't matter. He made the Joker. Yes. Joker. Joker.
3: Joker. <laughs>
2: when you introduce me, can you call me Joker?
1: Yeah.
3: Okay, so the movie opens with what? Him at the meeting with the social worker? Yeah, and then oh, like, it's him you know, with him, the
1: grease paint. Him opens,
3: doing
2: the smile. Right, so he works
1: at a clown store. and
2: Works at a clown. <laughs> yeah, he's like a
1: rent-a-clown. Clown factory. And they're playing one of eight songs that invoke clowns or smiling or laughing yeah, in the title. I know. Because right, they do send in the Typed clowns.
2: clown into
1: Spotify. <laughs> they do smile.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: What are the other ones they do? They do everything that's like in any way adjacent to make them laugh. Probably is in here somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Sure. You know, whatever. But also, like, in the White Room and fucking Gary Glitter rock and roll part one.
2: The thing about, okay, so there's been, you know, the, like, 18th sub-controversy about Joker is that it features a
1: Gary Glitter song. Gary Glitter is a confected pedophile. One of (laughs) uh, America, I'm sorry, one of the world's most uh, notorious Uh, and successful pedophiles. And so
2: people are like, how dare, you know, like, literally he's going to make some money off of this. Which is true. Beyond that, it's. A terrible use of the song. Uh, It's completely unnecessary. Absolutely horrific. It's the hackiest fucking choice you could make. It's literally just him dancing on the uh, steps to like, you know, to rock and roll part two, which is just like basically like clip art guitar riffing, right? You know what I mean? It's just, it's like generic guitar riffing.
1: When anything. When it kicks in, I was like, oh my God, did someone shake the iPhone? (laughs) Why is this playing now? I forgot I even had this on my iTunes. Oh boy. Anyway. Weird. Weird. So, yes. I mean, here's what's messy about- He's a clown! Arthur uh, (laughs) Fleck! I had to look it up. I had to check. He's a clown! But he's also mentally ill, which means he's not to be trusted.
2: Well, look, this this movie has a lot of nuanced things to say about mental illness, such as if you go off your pills, you'll shoot a talk show host.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: I mean, like, again, one of the 14 subcontroversies. controversies People aren't even getting to it yet. They'll yeah. get to it. This movie is
1: horrible about that stuff. It's, oh. like absolutely off base on anything relating to this. I would argue that is the element of the movie that— It's the most distressing element. And, and is actually the one that's kind of dangerous. Y- y- sure. I, I don't think that, like— uh, fucking! Like, considering you
2: know. that there's like, it'd be one thing if it's like he's crazy and he goes to the asylum. Lots of Hollywood movies have painted sure. with that brush. Sure. But like the scenes with the social worker, him going off his meds, like you know, having it well, all like he, he didn't go off stack. the meds.
3: Society oh,
1: took the they meds away off. from, you know what? from him. you right, society's the real Joker. But also, he is not only a man who suffers from a fucking catacomb of undefined. <laughs> Mental right. The, the
2: laughter is is, is like an, an unnamed mental illness where he laughs when he's, he's nervous or whatever. But he's got eighteen medications and right. there's a bunch of right. shit
1: that they never name that they never point a finger mm-hmm. on. Sure. That's just a fucking side effect, right? That's a symptom mm-hmm. of whatever his his you know neurological uh, issues are. Right. On top of that, he is also a victim of abuse. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And to me, that is the area in which this movie feels wildly irresponsible. Where it's like. I honestly don't think this film is coherent enough or tapped into anything enough to make some fucking Jordan Peterson fan be like, fuck, I got to get my gun and run through the streets right now. Right. Sure. sure. I don't think it will rile anyone up to that degree. I I don't think it is successful enough dramatically to be able to do that because that would involve some sort of coherence of viewpoint. It it doesn't really have a very coherent it doesn't. Political message. And look, even something like the it has fucking— sort of, It sort of yells things. Right. You know, it, bling, bling, bling. it felt to me like Birdman, and that is a movie where every oh, scene, Birdman. it makes five observations. <laughs> sure. Have you noticed that this is a thing? Right. Sometimes this happens. Mm-hmm. This is a problem in society. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. It's like all set up with no punchline, right? And um, uh, something like The Matrix is endlessly fascinating mm-hmm. because it has encouraged— uh, so many of the worst corners of the internet in a wild misreading sure. that could not be further so from that, what right. it is very clear. Exactly. Yeah. A movie that people complained at the time was overly didactic in a tiny lister
0: right.
1: flipping the cover down on a detonator and going like, we will not let this man define it. <laughs> sure, and right, people were right. like, oh, the movie's sermonizing. Uh, and it on a little thick. Right. And yet, for 10 years, people still took all the wrong lessons and were like, the point of that movie is the Joker well, Fox, that, right? I, I would say... <laughs> That's the reason that I don't really, watching the movie, it's neither here nor there how people react to totally. it. you never know
2: how people are going to that, react. That's to my it whole
1: movie. point. You never fucking know how people okay, are okay, going to okay. react. Okay? okay. So it's, I don't think the film's coherent enough. Okay, but what do you think? But I do think this movie, in the same way that every time there's a mass shooting, mm. our politicians, our elected officials go, well, it's not a gun problem, it's a mental illness problem. Mm-hmm. And they use the boogeyman of mental illness as just a giant, undefined umbrella. To say, there are crazy people out there. And you don't want crazy people doing crazy things. Mm-hmm. But also, we have no infrastructure to help people who suffer from mental I mean, unrest.
2: that stuff is really irritating. in this well. Like, yeah, have the sort of social, like portraying the failure of a social safety net. Right. As part of a fucking comic book villain's
1: origin story. You know, I like. But here's the thing. If that's actually what that movie wants to say. Uh, well, sure, but now we'll no. No, get but out that, of here. But that is a credible movie. If you want to do a movie about someone who has actually failed by society. Not someone who feels like they are being shit on by society. But the second you're getting into, oh, the social worker is losing funding, so he can't afford his medication anymore. That's a fucking thing. That's an evil in this world. That is a a tangible thing that people don't tell stories about. That's a path you could take. Here's another path. The haves and have-nots, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of Thomas Wayne potentially being someone who has bought himself out of culpability and responsibility for a child is something— has a little meat on the bone potentially. Sure. You know what does not have any meat on the bone? His mom was crazy. She made up lies. Also, she beat him over the head and tied well, to a rage. Also,
2: yes, but also what this movie is doing is it's not letting anything be true or not true. Like, right. You can watch it and be like, wow, well, I think that's in his head and that's real. So who gives a or shit? I think Nothing Wayne matters. is like, well, uh, it sounds like you just adapted to Todd Phillips's viewpoint. Which is the
0: whole fucking <laughs> okay. problem with this movie.
2: But um, beyond that, like, it's... So say there's Split, the Shyamalan movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Which also sort of plays around very wildly with like depictions of mental illness. And I had those problems. But it leans in the other way where it's like this starts out realistic and then by the end it's like this is fantasy comic book shit. Right. Whereas this is starting with fantasy comic book shit but then being like but really like this is real and gritty and human and personal. Like, you know, it's like trying to lean away from uh, the, you know. He's a comic book character. Right. Now, look. I mean, Alan Moore's whole fucking thing about the killing mm-hmm. joke, which he wrote, and this is you know somewhat inspired by. It
1: was the first time they gave Joker a like sort of detailed thought through origin and yes. made him a failed comedian. Right. Yeah. And it was also the first time that someone put a substantial amount of menace into the Joker, who had always been sort of a theatrical threat up until that point. And it was the first time someone well, that's, was like.
2: That's not entirely true. I I can dispute that, but but because he's already, um, you know, he he Joker. We can talk about that, but it was the first. It's a very dark book. He he paralyzes Batgirl in the spine. Well, I think he'd already killed Robin at that point. Yeah, he'd already killed Robin. Okay, at that point. fair yeah. enough. Now, Joker in Batman was originally a very scary villain, yes. and then after a while, DC was like, Batman's recurring villains are not allowed to kill because mm-hmm. then that would prove that Batman is inefficient at stopping crime. Oh sure. And so Joker, only one-off villains were allowed to kill, and Joker became the sort of more Cesar Romero funny villain. Okay. And, for a long, and then he'd vanish because mm-hmm. DC hated Joker. Mm. And in the 70s, he came back scary. Yeah, seventies when they were, was then they were like, no, Joker was cool. Let's like relaunch, That's like yeah. Neil Adams. And yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the, the Joker's name, Five Len, Way Revenge, uh, yeah. which is a great Joker story, uh-huh. and then yeah, in the eighties, as everything in comic books, it right. escalates. And right. Alan Moore writes the Killing Joke, in which he paralyzes back, he shoots her, he takes na- naked pictures of her. It's terrible. Frank Miller does Dark Knight Returns. Sure, yeah, um, but then Alan Moore later was like, I don't like the Killing Joke. Yeah. I don't think I had anything to say with it. Like, I, you know, I feel like I should have been reined in. It's just kind of negativity and darkness. And I feel like comic books have only leaned more into that, which I don't like. And then he's like, Joker doesn't represent anything. He's a compa character who is Batman's, like, you know, right. opposite. He doesn't really stand in for anything.
1: Like, that's sort of his fundamental. It's like, it's tough to do something allegorical with Joker because he's not a stand... He's a comic book character. Which I think is what people find so fascinating about him and why we cannot fucking give him, him up as We love him. We want to keep doing the Joker. Because it's like, he, he kind of is just this fucking Rorschach test. Like, he's kind of this reflection of whatever the fuck we're feeling and how much meaning you want to put onto him or lack of meaning thereof. The smartest way that anyone has ever dramatized the Joker is just the the Nolan uh, game of his changing backstory. Wait, I love that. Right? Like, that's perfect. That's the best writing I've ever seen of The Joker in any medium. Right. Aside from the quality of that performance. Right. Right? It's just that is like, that's it. That's what we find fascinating about the Joker is that any one of these backstories on their own would make sense for such an indefinable creature of evil. Right? But the yeah. fact that they keep on shifting means it's maybe one of these or none of them or who fucking knows or maybe it's all a put on. And then also what if he put twisted on his head? Right. Well, damaged. Damaged. Sorry. Fuck. What if he laid
3: in the on the floor around a, right. a circle of He knots? does that in
1: this movie, right? Uh, yeah. That's in this one? In Joker? He does every night before he goes to sleep. He lays out his Brooklyn ends and then carefully arranges knife by knife around his head. Does he
2: sleep on the couch or is it like a two bedroom?
3: He sleeps on the couch.
2: sleeps on the couch, right? Yeah. I was trying to get how squalid his apartment is supposed to be. Yeah. Because initially I was like, "Wait, did both him and his mom have rooms?" I'm, yeah, it's
3: all right. Also, <laughs> like, anytime I see squalid New York City apartments, I'm like, "That looks fine." Well, I mean, that I lived in apartments well, that were that well, worse That's,
2: than that's, that's that. the story of New York was that the homes were often good. You know, they yeah. got bad, but right. you know, good bones. Good as the, bones. As the gentrifiers
0: then hey, said, "Good right. bones."
2: Or as Ben Hosley says all the time about bones. (laughs) Uh, Bones. Also, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, look at his bones. He lost all that weight to get all bony. Ben was actually
1: making that type of he's sound. He's kind of gross. It
3: makes me cringe. Yeah,
1: I know. But you know what's fast? He's done it before, right? There's another movie he's really skinny the in. The Master he's very skinny in. Yeah. 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 And there's another one. He I'm... definitely fluctuates. Yes. Yeah, in but way, I'll say this. Here's a massive difference between Paul Thomas Anderson and Todd Phillips, right? Uh-huh. One of them is... They only have two names? <laughs> and got and that's three. it? And they're the same <laughs> otherwise. otherwise
0: <laughs> equals...
1: Um, Joaquin's crazy skinny in The Master mm, and mm. he's doing the same sort of weird what you call a ham sandwich performance for sure it's a lot of mannerisms this is that too in my opinion and I mean lo- I prefer
2: The Master I rewatched The Master movie. for
1: the umpteenth time a couple weeks ago I should rewatch it I think it's a phenomenal film does it have anything to say about the current moment we're living in I think so no I was
2: about to say like doesn't it obviously? I feel like it's, it's really relevant right now I
1: think it's one of those movies that's kind yeah. of actually about everything yeah, yeah, in the yeah. way that the Joker is about nothing. Mm, you know? about
2: how society is the biggest Joker of all. So. Uh, um,
1: yes. But but but, 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 uh, but. In that movie, he's doing Ham Sandwich. Mm-hmm. I think he's supported by the film.
2: 100%.
1: He's. It's a better performance. It's just... That type, of, I'm not that fond
2: I, of that type of actor. And, and you, that, his, yes, right,
1: right. and you tend to like. I uh, love
2: him in like James Gray
1: movies. I you, love him in um, uh sisters brothers. You loved him in. I He's really good in that. He's actually funny in that. Signs he's great in. Yeah, you like him when he plays normal guy. I do.
2: I mean, I, I the James Gray movies. I would say are probably my like two lovers. We on the night. Those are like probably yeah. my favorite Walkings. I feel like there's another Walking I really like that. Two I,
1: lovers. He's phenomenal. In. He's, incredible in Two
2: Lovers which is like a sort of quiet ham sandwich yeah. like you know I, uh, Her he is
1: excellent at. And yeah, I'm not a huge Her fan I don't like at that all. movie I don't Either so, really, so but I think he is so good. Oh, well, that
2: um, the you know uh, you'll never really hear. Well, yeah, I he's wasn't sure if you liked that. that
1: performance as much as I. Did. Oh,
2: I love that. performance my best actor when he's of course, also very dialed into that movie's yes. tone in the right way. I don't know. I really love that performance. He is someone who I
1: had been pretty sick of him, and then yeah. he gave me those. Yeah, he is someone who kind of lives or dies based on the collaborator. You know, because he is a guy who by all accounts is so sort of experimental and throwing shit out there mm-hmm. that he needs to work with someone he trusts who guides him the right way and picks the right fucking footage. And this just feels like Todd Phillips was telling him on a day-to-day basis to do weird shit and then just compiling two hours of the weirdest shit. Yeah. I mean there's definitely some stuff like that. The
2: dancing Yeah. Um is something Phoenix came up with. Totally. He was supposed to like laugh or whatever, and he was like, What if I did this dance? And Phillips was like, Oh, that's good. And those moments in the movie are something. They're yeah. They're not that interesting, but they're at least something. We were the talking about, like, they feel so, a little different.
3: He, Comedia dell'arte kind of right, reference, right. maybe.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's just sort of like something to hold on to in that movie when most of the scenes in the movie, I was kind of just like, can we get this over but with? that's like
1: the use of his body, like, he's yeah, all right. twisted and skinny in The Master, Right. And it's interesting to watch all the positions he gets into, but it's not fucking like fetishized like it is in this. Yeah. Where it feels like one day on set, because of the lighting, he bent into a position shirtless, and Todd Phelps was like, oh, you look like a fucking David Cronenberg creature.
0: Yeah. you So look now, like now every Bacon other
1: painting. scene yeah. is gonna have you shirtless. Right. in some position that no one... Why is he sitting on the couch with his back fully <laughs> arched so that his rib is Joker! This her. man is... He's a Joker! But that's the point. It's all just oh, like... God, it's a good
2: joke. That's a good joke when he does that. Guy's yeah. a friggin' clown. Is, is there one joke in
0: this
3: movie? I guess no. De Niro's got some No, zingers. the sense one is okay. What's the sense one? I wish my... I hope that my death is worth uh, something about sense. Remember the sense I, joke. I, I, I can't. I can remember De Niro's it. got some zingers. Definitely. I
2: wish got De Niro had just done like five minutes on like Jimmy Carter or whatever. It is that so, would have been funny.
1: The De Niro casting. <laughs> Seen him do cards. The obvious thing here is De Niro's cast because of fucking King of Comedy. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's also funny where it's like, what are the two things that Robert De Niro, one of our greatest screen actors of all time, <laughs> reading cue cards. I w- I would go even more specific than this. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Live televised comedy right. and talk show appearances. Right. He is famously the least this articulate t- talk show guest. But this is like top of the heap for him now, right? Yeah. Like this is his best
2: late night talk show appearance ever. Yeah.
1: He at least is, a least, you know, he's bringing it. It's funny also, I saw someone tweeting about how like they heard young people in the theater being like, Robert De Niro is like not believable as a talk show host. And it's like, oh, because now talk show hosts are like,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, shots, Beyonce. Uh, uh, We're just talking about Fallon. <laughs> But also, Corden, yeah, sure. the party game sort of like, right, I'm just right, a good right, guy, right. I like everything thing. Where it, as talk show hosts used to specifically be, here is an ornery old man who seems to resent all of their guests. <laughs> These fucking kids in that disco. Man, I know I'm not allowed to say fuck, but who's watching? And you see, like, here's another example of where this movie almost gets at something, but doesn't actually, throws in so many conflicting points that it doesn't actually land any sort of view on anything. There's something kind of to the idea of a talk show host using the Joker in the way that, like, David Letterman used Harvey P. Carr or, like, Harmony Korine, where they were like, look at these weirdos. I'm going to set them up to do weird shit and sure. act like, what a fucking freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know? Right. There's something there. Kind of. But it's kind all of, really just to set almost.
2: up the final thing. Right, right.
1: totally. It's which, more just plot. And also, I refuse to believe for a second mm. that Joaquin... Gets up one time at a stand-up club. The entire yeah, movie it goes viral in nineteen eighty Gotham or whatever. They film right? his set yeah, and get the send, fuck send out of it to. Here. Yeah, why would he put? Pl- That's not bad enough to make it onto this guy's show.
2: Yeah, I right. I agree. The I agree. set, especially not a no. Carson style show.
1: Maybe like a freaking Carson Daly show. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like it's more every more like
3: Open Mic right. in New York
1: City exactly, exactly. <laughs> Every open no! mic. Uh, here are two points. One, every open mic performance is more embarrassing than that. Right. Two, yep. if someone got up on stage in an alt room in Brooklyn and just laughed for three minutes. Yeah, people would be like, oh, he, who's this guy? This rule. <laughs> it might crush. If My the bro- I mean,
2: like, I feel like with a if notebook this thing and is you set, can't
1: make it through your jokes. Would destroy this thing They get in, new faces. This
2: thing is set in 1980
1: yes. or whatever. Like. Whatever.
2: Like cringe comedy is not yet a thing. No, that it's like Dangerfield is no. going on Carson and being like Doc talking about Doctor Vidi Boombots. Like yes. we're not ready for like like uh, feeling awkward and having that be funny. Like that's not happening yet. No, those kinds of videos
1: weren't catching no. on to the mainstream. No, Carson didn't like that shit in that way. But can I tell you about something, David? Yeah. yeah. So yes, we were talking about the the Murray Anderson thing. That whole element of it. It is weird De Niro casting aside from the fact that. You know, it's the inversion of the King of Comedy thing. Yeah. Because he's not very convincing as a loose, charisma-based comedian. <laughs> he's not very convincing delivering those jokes. He is not very convincing of, like, the you rhythms know of the pattern. I agree with that, but you know what? He
2: is compelling because he's he Robert De Niro. He is. So
1: when he's, like, hosting a
2: late-night show, I'm like, I'd watch this. He is
1: innately compelling, and I will say this. I think when you get into that final sort of showdown between him and Joaquin, and it's actually just an interview— mm. I think he plays that very well. Well, good actor. He's a good actor. But I'm saying you could have made him more of like a Morton Downey Jr., Mm -hmm. made him a more like aggro sort of conversation-based talk show host. Or even like – um. You know, who's the guy who used to go after Carson who was basically um, – Tom Snyder. Yeah, Tom Snyder. Right. The idea of making him like a fucking borscht belty like one-liner guy. But they need it for their stupid,
2: the you know, plot set up where he is actually like Tosh.0. Oh. <laughs> right. And
1: it, and they need it to be De Niro because do you get it, King of Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the other thing. I, I was thinking about the sort of the Scorsese-Robert delusional movies, right? And I came mm-hmm. up with that the other day. coined it TMTM. right, right. right. Uh, but but the taxi driver, king of comedy, sort of like, here are these sort of delusional loners who live in their own kind of weird fantasy worlds yep. with their sense of I'm the hero of my own narrative. I'm just sort of barreling towards this ultimate success and the validation I believe I deserve. Right. And how many people vainly try to emulate those movies? And the other one I think of that was also a Warner Brothers film 10 years ago is Observe and Report. Mm. which was like, you know, there are other examples before that and after that, but I remember at the time that one was so that big. Got so much Taxi Driver uh, right. comparison, yeah. And Rogan was saying it in the press, yeah. and uh, what Jody Hill was yeah. saying it in the press, and everyone was like, we're trying to make that kind of morally ambiguous, anti-hero, delusional. Everyone always talks about those movies used to be so morally ambiguous. Everything's cut and dry. We want to make them morally ambiguous. And every time someone tries to do it, you're like, they don't have their hand on the dial in the same way Scorsese did. As an unfair comparison, but it maybe speaks to why this type of movie, which is so difficult to pull off, should only be pulled off by, you know, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yeah, I mean. Like maybe it's an advanced ropes course that everyone can't jump, but watching this movie, another thing hit me, which is that Square says he has a pretty deep, innate sense of empathy. Yeah. And the thing with those movies is they are not glamorizing these guys, they are not making them underdog heroes. But they also aren't just beating up on these dudes. Sure. And Jody Hill I mean, likes making fun of delusional people. And Todd Phillips likes making fun of shitty behavior. And this movie feels like... So you're not an Observe and Report fan. I like it okay. It's okay. In I think my it memory, has I stuff in it that I find film. interesting. I don't think it's a very good movie. But I think it's... Very interesting elements. Now, to your point, it was also just sort of like at the time, it was like Seth Rogen was
2: playing mostly sweethearts, and it was, it, was it felt very to see much. Someone, well, also, it just felt like him being like, you know, like yeah. I want to make something that's going to kind of freak it you nice out. was nice to see a
1: movie or, star trying yeah, to push
2: yeah.
1: boundaries, and sometimes right, they miss. Right, right,
3: right. Uh, to your point, uh, think of the, the comedy set in King of Comedy. Right. That is really good writing. It's really subversive yes. comedy. Yeah. He he makes a joker. He's like, he's like, uh, he makes a joke about Clifton, New Jersey, and then he's like, oh, we got anyone in the house here? Like, anyone would be from Clifton, New Jersey? Like, he's just, well, yeah, I guess yeah. I would say yeah.
0: <laughs> but this was
3: the thing I'd I be would- be like,
1: yeah, close. Yeah, kind of close. <laughs> this was the thing I was thinking about watching this movie, which it's like, it is so deftly handled in King of Comedy, the level of skill he has as a comedian, yeah, right, where it's right. like, he will never make it. But he's not complete. He's not like this, where he's actually like shouldn't even be allowed. He has like, just in enough competency right. that you believe that he thinks he's gonna make right. it, which is the very specific line. And the movie isn't asking you to constantly be like, "What a fucking moron for thinking he can do." Right. This. That's I mean, look. And when you so look this movie at, begins, yeah. I mean, just because this exactly is like. He's meeting with his psychiatrist. Right. I have a joke book. Yes, I'm going to write a diary. I started writing a joke book. His joke book slash diary i told is, you that I want to be a
2: comedian, right? He talks about how he's going to be a comedian. She's like, okay. You know, she opens up his joke book, and it's basically just like he's scrawled like, murder, murder, death, death. I am a Freudian nightmare,
1: right? Like, he's just sort of like- He's also like- joke book. headless bodies out yeah. of porn magazines. It's, it's like- It's the ri- most, riddled with misspellings. He's the, like illiterate. It's the most hacky-
2: fucking, like, you know, SNL version of, like, the diary from Seven or what? right? Like, it's right. just, like, draw a serial killer diary, diary for me. Right? Like, but
1: that's... you're messaging three things at the same time. You're going, A, this is, like, the evidence of a psychopath he's after he a commits psycho, his crimes, sure, right? Right, right? B, these are bad jokes. They aren't funny. They're sure. badly constructed. This guy doesn't get jokes. And C, he's a moron. Right. Because every time they cut to a sentence in his book, it is so wildly misspelled... Right. he uses the wrong word he, you know right. always the always. other thing I want to you know point out there's is there's a point where he says have like H-A-V-E and it's written as half like I have to go do this or I whatever know. it's I, like I so he's like what, okay go on
2: well Taxi Driver which was written by Paul Schrader <sighs> a good uh, movie
1: that is well written sure
2: <laughs> yes uh, was uh, inspired by the diaries of Arthur Brammer who was uh-huh. this guy who tried to shoot uh, George Wallace right? uh-huh. or maybe did successfully shoot yeah he shot him um and, like, so you've now filtered this, like, four times, right? It's, like, that, that genesis of an idea of, like, right, the diary of a madman. And, like, Paul Schrader, right, he was, like, working as a taxi driver and going crazy and, like, writing this screenplay in the back of a car, and right? Like, that's sort yeah, of, like, of the energy that's driving that movie notoriously. And you
1: got three very academic thinkers, yeah, De Niro, yeah, yeah, Scorsese, yeah. and Trader. And here's another big now- element that movie has working for it. Those three guys were all actually living with palpable frustration about their careers and what they felt they were destined for. Sure, so and even they also if the lived movie the actual
2: nineteen seventies, right, right? They knew yeah. that <laughs> shit,
1: right? Um, but but even if they're exaggerating it to like a violent psychotic degree, right. that movie is funneling the energy of Scorsese, De Niro, and Schrader each going, "I know I have the goods. Why isn't letting anyone letting me do Especially the thing I can do?"
2: At that point, Schrader very right. much so, and. So then this, we have this, this movie is kind of like a taxi driver prestige in that it's kinda like kinda about comedy. a, cra- kind of, but it's the, plot wise. It's more taxi driver. taxi yes, driver, because right. it's about a guy who eventually commits this act of violence he's and under like, the boot. he's kind of regarded as a hero he in a weird way. Up. Everyone keeps right.
1: on fucking him over. Right. And, and he's
2: got this diary, which taxi yeah. driver has this diary, you know, like this diary concept where he's talking yeah. in his head and all that. And this is just such a, like, such a, like, boulderized version of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, it's not very profound. It's, it's also, a bad movie. It's also end. that thing
1: when, like, people say, like, why Ugh. don't they make movies like that anymore? Right. It falls under uh, Lindsay Ellis, who is a, a film critic and thinker, is very good on YouTube, posted a video that I think is great. That's such a good counter to the argument where people say, like, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. Like, you'd never get away with it because of PC wokeness. And her whole retort to that is, Blazing Saddles maybe my favorite comedy of all time, Uh, a film that she loves as well. She says, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today because there's no reason to make Blazing Saddles today. Blazing Saddles is a product of the time it was made. You know, it was based out of a righteous feeling that was existing underneath the surface of society. Its transgressions were interesting because they had never those lines had never been crossed before. Right. There was no reason to make it today. It would be regressive. What you could do is make the film that is the equivalent for our times as no. Blazing Saddle was. No, no. You have to make Taxi Driver again. That's the fucking and problem they did no, but, is that people go, okay. oh, I want to make a movie like Taxi Driver again. And rather than go, okay, let's like adjust the compass and figure out what Taxi Driver is for 2019. Well, they did. And they Kinda. decided
2: that it was Joker because now we make comic book movies. Right. So that's what they did. That's what he did. That, right, that's right. like he like he's like. There's another line in that Vanity Fair profile where he's like, "If I can't make comedies, I'm gonna yeah. make something like that." You and know, like where he's like, a, "Fuck you." There's a lot of "fuck you" energy. It's about
1: you know? the weird fucking energy of straight white men online feeling like they're the. Well, persecuted that's what class. everyone
2: was picking up on it. You know, as it as it right right started to gain steam. Not so much that this is a movie about a guy who's like looks at the camera and is like incels march. <laughs> you know, like sure. but it's just more that. It has this a very taxi driver-esque subplot. Yeah. In which he likes his neighbor down the road, uh, down the hall, played by Sizey Beats. Yeah, and they have this relationship that I immediately was like, "This is in his head," and then later in the movie, it's basically revealed, like, "Yeah, he that was in his head, right?" Because he was talking to nobody. You go
1: either this is in his head or this is the single worst film
2: ever made. (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is uh, an inept piece of characterization, even by the standards of this movie. Right? Right. But it's not. It's in his head. It's the civil, Sybil Shepard thing again, basically. Like again, a sort of boulderized version of it. Right? From Taxi Driver. What the fuck
1: does any of this mean? I don't know. He's the joke. He's the clown prince of crime. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. This guy puts makeup on a fish. So it's like. You know what I'm saying, though? Not what does it mean in terms of like, how do I read this? I mean, like, what does it mean in terms of like, does any of this matter? Is any of this of any consequence in this movie? Oh, like the Zazie Beats stuff or whatever? We're spending this much time on multiple dates with Zazie Beats, where I'm like, you on a scene by scene basis are doing nothing to convince me that this could actually be happening. No, that's the So I'm watching it and the going. Problem. You're going to fucking pull the rug on so these scenes are a waste of time. The guy is
2: you're right as you've been pointing out sort of various ways like yeah the guy is too much of sort of weirdo sort of idiot.
1: He cannot even do to, an impression to, to, he's
2: not of a, a functional normal person. human being in any way. Right. So like, it's impossible to imagine. A thought
3: him. I right. had is it's revealed that uh, his mother and her boyfriends would beat him. Like, he was a yes. kid who was abused. Right. And then what does he do kind of right after finding out information? He breaks into his girlfriend's apartment right. and terrifies her and her right. daughter? And that doesn't scene, make sense. So In a scene yes. that
2: also they kind of, like, leave dangling, and you don't quite know what happened after that. Like, did he kill her? Did he just run away? It's, it, right.
1: it's already a movie where you have, like, the fucking weird... And got,
2: there's going to be 50 fucking posts on the internet that yeah. are, like definitive evidence that
1: he kills her in that scene right. Or, right. Or, or that which she is, lived and that become. she kills him but I yeah. love stuff like that the rest like of the that. movies. his death dream David don't right. you
3: love That's stuff like that theories. like remember when Joker and the Batman met mm-hmm. did you love that yeah sure what you like he's about great. it what's your favorite part I don't know
2: I mean I love the Joker he's great he's and great when he guy. sees a little boy he's Batman Bruce oh oh, oh oh we're talking about this movie okay okay alright so look 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 cause
1: this is the look, thing this is the thing I actually have to talk about
2: this is the thing that we all have to talk about there's
1: almost something here
2: Oh, I don't know about that, but look. Like, so I'm watching, I don't think the movie I'm does it at all. am watching this movie. Okay. I'm watching this movie.
1: Yeah, and
2: I know that Thomas Wayne is it played in it, played by Brett Cullen, which I thought was hilarious because he's in the Dark Knight. Right, <laughs> this is a different character. Yes, and like really, you couldn't cast a slightly wider net, he, but whatever. Please, he's he's, he's one one the, the fucking, fucking congressman right, that right, uh, right, the, the right. Catwoman kidnaps. Right, of course. Yes. Um, I
1: knew he was one of the suits. He, yeah,
2: yeah. And so he's playing Thomas Wayne, and like. It turns out Joker's mother was worked for the Wayne family and believed Thomas was Joker's father. He maybe she made letter, that up or right. maybe it's true. Who yeah. knows? The Joker's crazy. Uh, and that's why he's fixated on. And you, there's a scene with little Bruce Wayne played by some little boy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it's Bruce Wayne. He does magic tricks. And He'll he sticks be the Batman.
1: his fingers in the little boy's mouth.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the security guard's mad at him. And Joker's like, I was just trying to. And I'm like, is the movie supposed to make me feel sympathetic for I Joker? I thought that guy was supposed to be Alfred. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that which, was my take. Too. Which
1: I thought was kind of... Well, I'll, I'll get to this. But bad job by Alfred. Yes. Don't let him near the gates. But I understand the entire point of the movie is this guy's fucking weird and twisted. But when he put his fingers in the kid's mouth, I was like, Th- "This is bad. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> no good." <laughs> Don't um, put two fingers.
0: in it.
2: And at this Small point, you know, mouth. this movie has had this progression of terrible events happen to the yes. Joker. I'm just gonna take us through the plot very much,
1: That's where it just feels like fucking. No, but I,
2: I, we need to you know, so like there's the yeah. early, he's beaten up on the street by a bunch of kids.
1: Who are not white. That's true. Because most of the people of color in this film are either clerks, they're either angelic or service uh, workers. Uh, in nameless. Or criminals. hooligans who are later referred to as savages.
2: But then there's I mean, then Joker gets a gun and it goes off in one of the better scenes in the movie. At the a hospital. scene with when the when yeah no that no that's
0: just
1: weird. No, when that. he
2: has the gun and he it goes he fires oh, it and it goes. Sure, up. that's a scene that's loaded with some actual tension. Yeah, that feels he, like he's
1: watching the musical on TV. Yeah, and yeah, it feels
2: yeah. like it's about a person who would you know be sort of on their way to committing acts of violence. Not the most interesting thing in the world, but at least like a small scene that has tension.
0: Like, I was
3: hoping that he was gonna go. Are you laughing at me? Are you laughing at me? (laughs) Okay. And then he's harassed by Wall Street bros on the subway.
1: One of whom played by the great Ben Warheite. Sure. Great New York comedian. Who who sing Sondheim at him. Well, they're huge Sondheads. And he shoots them. They're coming straight from a performance of Meryl (laughs) Louis You got that in the subtext, right? I believe it it.
3: Time. So time. it's a little night music. They I believe he's like singing the clones. I'm
1: pretty sure. I, um, I know that a little I night know. music is send the clowns I'm saying they know the whole body right. of they're, work They're, they're into all of it, right?
2: They, they, go they just deep. saw passion.
0: Yeah.
1: No. Um. So these,
2: it's a, it's the Bernie Gets. It's the the most obvious like you know 80s parallel, right? It's the sure. Bernie Gets subway shooting where Bernie Gets was this sort of unhinged whatever mm-hmm. I couldn't take it any guy who shot some kids who were hassling him on a subway yes. in a very racialized crime uh-huh. but he became a weird sort of folk hero to yeah. certain you know it's a very it's a part of New York's history that is loaded with all kinds of tension. Uh-huh. Todd Phillips sort of takes the basic imagery and puts it Wall Street pro singing Sondheim kind of robs it of any kind of meaning mm-hmm. but whatever that's the Joker's first big well, crime. Well
1: because I think he's trying to marry that to a thing yeah, that the whole under-
2: violence against the rich you know. Eat
1: the rich it, yeah. it's sort of ten years too late uh, Occupy Wall Street shit where it's like This is something that could radicalize a city, right? Um, So vague, and but yes, Yes. then it
2: starts to radicalize the city, and there's a a mass Joker on the loose, and everyone's got that.
1: And there's almost something interesting to the fact that they are wayne employees right and then dealing and with he keeps the coming back to wayne which right. is just like the big he's also running for mayor the, and he's running in this bloomberg he's esque way where it's like i actually know how to help everybody and people are debating whether we need some rich guy uh, coming business and man problems. thing but also he's like whatever he's going to be hard on crime or, right. right it's sort of also and this they, sort of, you know, at some Giuliani point that like his version of deplorables was calling people clowns which got everyone upset i didn't even remember that okay they say but that in yes. the script that he was like these clowns on the street and that became the deplorables, which right, his okay, opponents so had been weaponizing. Okay. So then you've got, like, <sighs> you
2: know, you got, like, the scene he, that he takes the gun out of the children's hospital. <laughs> I mean, kind of a good gag. Funny five comedy <laughs> What kind of a clown has a gun? I thought that was kind of a funny line. Gets fired from his clown job. Yeah. money. Uh, you know, the, 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 has He's the— He's a clown
1: for hire in—this movie's loaded with, like, comedy seller guys. It's so like yeah. Gary Goldman is in it. Yeah, yeah. Sam Morell. Sam Morell is in it. Um, I forget. Greer Garson. Makes Not Greer sense. Garson. Greer. I'm forgetting his last name. Greer Barnes. Yeah. Who's one of the other clown employees. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it makes anyway. sense if he's pulling from Marin and comedy. Probably- yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't know. And I, mean- I even thought the club looks kind of comedy seller. It
2: does. But has that it vibe. looks very comedy seller. Yeah. And he does the bad side of the club, gets made fun of by Murray Franklin on TV. Yeah, yeah. This is but all Zazie going
1: Beats on. loves it, and it's totally believable. She's a real yes, human. she's man. a real person. I Not she loves him.
2: Uh Bad year for Zazie, and we seen this guy as well. Um, what a talent! But I mean, this movie's a huge hit, so I mean that's good. She is a huge talent. Yeah. And um, and then there's the scene, as you say, where he <laughs> puts his finger in a child's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, this
1: British man comes out. His mom
2: gets uh, has a stroke. She's hospitalized. No, but here's
1: the big thing: the British yeah. man comes out and man, it's Alfred. Alfred, It's Alfred. okay, yeah, right? Sure. And he he goes, Look, I'm I'm Arthur Fleck. Yeah, I'm 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 Thomas Wayne's son, you know. Right. He goes, Oh my god, you're Penny Fleck's kid. Right. And there's that sort of like bone chilling, like things go cold moment. Right. And then he says, like, you don't know. Your mother's fucking crazy. Sure, right, right, right. She made up this delusional lie. She was institutionalized. Not only that, you're adopted. Right. He can't be your father.
3: And anytime he learns this information, he's always like, Your mom is crazy. And your life is bad. No person, like, yeah, ha- like empathy. A right. moment, like, this is a stranger. You're Everyone's not going like, to ruin fucking...
1: a stranger's life. Right, you're twisted, you're damaged, they should tattoo it on your forehead. Uh, he goes to the Arkham Asylum. Yeah, talks to Brian Tyree Henry. Another incredibly I mean, wasted. Pretty good in the scene. Really? I
2: mean,
3: really, one really of quick. the best working actors. His mom had a stroke because the cops. Remember? Yeah, Remember? Right. The
1: cops? Right. Bill are, Camp they and Shane Wiggum interrogated right. her right. too Ugh. hard.
0: Yeah. Bill Camp. And she had
1: a stroke, right? Yeah. But he goes to Arkham Asylum, looks at the file, and then Brian Henry sees something that makes his blood run cold. Right. And he goes, like, you can't see this. Because the file details all this. abuse he suffered as a child. Because Joaquin so. steals the file, and he sees that. And not only that, he sees the clear adoption paper. Right? right? Now, there's almost something in this uh-huh. for me, sure, okay? Sure, and I don't sure, think sure. the movie gets anywhere close to it, but for a second I went, oh fuck, is this what they're trying to do? Because it is talked about a lot in hacky stand up routines that Batman is kind of this weird Republican fantasy. Sure. That he is an insanely rich man right. who uses his wealth for good, doesn't need the government meddling, yeah. and takes care of the actual crime which tend to be a lot of crazy people. Right. But I mean, like, it, that's it's a, that kind of commentary, which, is, as you say, happens all the time,
2: is kind yeah. of like, you know, Batman was not initially developed that way because it was like the of 40s course. and like was, the costume heroes just meant a different, but yes.
1: That's stuff but that comes, he's sort comes of with a character existing direction. for 80 exactly. years. Okay, the character's gonna end up taking every possible dimension it possibly could. So here's... But what? but here's what I want to say. Okay, I'm sorry, I know you have a point you want to make as I well. Do. I want to set them up as dueling plans. All points. right,
2: all right, all right.
1: What do you want to say? The the latitude this movie potentially has by being a Joker movie, by being black-label DC, by being out of continuity, is because Batman is not the hero of the film and is barely in it. Sure. A movie could kind of actually try to grapple with that sliver of Batman's legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weird power fantasy and money fantasy of Batman, right? And get your government hands off of this guy can take it it." himself. And – The idea that someone like Thomas Wayne would have complete impunity to pretty much take advantage of anyone he wants and could probably use the law and money on his side to cover it up in any way he wanted to. Okay. Someone like this could impregnate someone. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Okay. Have her institutionalized. Yeah, yeah,
2: I get it. I get it. I get
1: it. I get it. But then, okay, so now I. And I know the movie wants to exist in the gray area, but it also feels like that's just kind of like. A, a red herring to set up no actually he is just the most crazy and abused child of the most crazy and sure, abused they, woman right I mean well and again as we said it doesn't it just can't pick a thing right
2: and instead wants to do this sort of like look I don't know what's true and what isn't yeah which like already Joaquin and Todd have sort of dropped that kind of in a few interviews as well where they're like hey maybe maybe Joker made that up okay who cares fine Ugh. yeah but then yeah the Joker we love him. Yeah. Can you just call him Joker? In fact. We love him. Can you to, introduce him, we call loved him Joker Yeah. First he kills a couple. he kills a couple guys, or just one guy. Yeah. Who visits his apartment. There's that scene.
3: Uh the
2: bloody murder of the, you know, the, the big oh, big clown the, guy.
3: The little person stuff is
1: it's just so. I per- think that's patronizing and, and stupid uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Not it's not only that, not, not great. you saw it at a screening film at a film festival. festival. Sure, sure, sure. We saw it at the AMC twenty five and their audience lost their fucking shit at the fact that the little person could not reach the locks and they literally started yelling out, oh my god, he can't reach the locks because he's a midget.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. That's what I found just kind of.
1: Yeah, so that was a moment where I I, wanted to uh, sink into the depths of hell. Where the Joker lives? Where the Joker lives. So there's that scene, which is another,
2: this this movie doesn't have a lot of violence but it has these brief sort of flashes of of violence that Mm -hmm. are Somewhat uh, effective, I guess. It's a slick-looking movie. It looks. It has this pretty, in my opinion, great. really bad score that is incredibly over the top and sort of like doing that whole like, "Can't you tell this is serious?" Yes. Like sort of
1: thing. Yeah. Um, the it goes. The costuming. The cinematography and the production design in this movie are kind of unimpeachable. And also just a lot of great location shooting, which I really appreciate
2: just generally, but especially for this kind of movie. The
3: graffiti on the trains, like capturing that era of New
1: York. Todd Phillips acquired Scorsese's producers. Although Scorsese's actually not on it. Right. Right. Which I think that was probably because he saw where this movie was heading and was like, I don't want to get tied to a thing that doesn't actually know what it's saying. Maybe. I have no idea. I mean, the the,
2: the official excuse was something along the yeah. lines of like, oh, he's got too much going on. But he used I a mean, lot of Scorsese, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese, who everyone likes to fucking yell about all the fucking time on the fucking internet, produced The Souvenir this year. Yeah. Like, you know, he's please check champion. out his like World Cinema stuff that's on he produced uh,
1: Margaret. Criterion Channel. He goes to bat for other filmmakers a lot and he is incredibly generous. There's another in- great
2: movie he produced this year. Fuck, what is it? I got to find it now.
1: Gotta find it. Don't you agree that I have yes. to find it? A thing that Martin Scorsese does that I like a lot... Scorchese. The thing that Marty Scorchese does that I like a lot is he knows how much clout he has. Uncut gems. That's the other. Oh, right. So if he is working with a filmmaker who is taking a step up in budget or studio or whatever, he will often negotiate that he gets final cut. Because R- right. he knows he they can, will not give the director the final cut. Right, 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 right. And he will just say... For example, Joanna Hogg, give me your cut, and I'll tell a twenty four this is my cut right right um and, and I think he doesn't want to check extend out his a twenty four podcast of the
2: year to films that don't need it sure, maybe that was it. I don't know I mean he certainly could have put his money his name but um but
1: anyway. but Todd Phillips did use a bunch of his team, sure, and they're the best, especially at working in New York
2: right yeah, so Joker goes on the talk show he mm-hmm. shoots Murray Franklin look. Shoots him in the eye. Yeah, bang bang with a gun. Kind of a striking scene in and of itself. Certainly a disturbing and striking scene in and of itself. You're watching two doesn't really have anything to do with anything in this movie, really. it. Sort of, I like, it just didn't feel like the movie had built to this no. in the correct way at all. It feels like but a when scene you're from watching a it, film. it's tense.
1: And I'll say this: it felt like the creepiness of watching something like, um, uh, like, like uh, what's his name, Bud Dwyer. You know? Yeah, evil, when, oh, God. When, yeah. But very that feeling of watching a very creepy, grainy video on YouTube of like, you know, a TV yeah, tape. Yeah, right. right, right.
2: What, what's the, the movies about Christine?
1: Right. Right. Like those right. things, those weird urban legends. Right. I mean, it, not urban legends, it, but like the, those horrible, sort of like t- violent acts on TV. faces the of death. Yes. They're, they're, during this sequence, I went, this is actually bottling something for me that I don't think the film has earned up until this point. I don't think it knows what to do with after it's done, but... That's the slickness, right? It's like, yeah, it'll get get a rise out of you, right? But watching something very weird about why is this man wearing clown makeup on this talk show, watching it from the vantage point of an audience who has no context and isn't watching a Joker movie, and when they cut out to the grid of TV screens, I go, this is kind of an argument for trying to make a quote-unquote gritty Joker movie is how scary would it be if in the real world some guy came on the fucking David Letterman show and seemed like he was Tiny Tim and then got weirdly morose and then shot a guy point blank. Okay, so then what happens after that scene is like a riot breaks out, Mm -hmm.
2: people wearing Joker masks. It sort of gets tied up, as you say, in this kind of like half-baked Occupy Wall Street sort of like, the poor Anonymous. are rising up against the rich. Yeah, right. And he's already Antifa, become a cult whatever. hero just because as... Because he shot a couple suits in his subway And train. now
1: he's taking credit for it, and there's a name and, and the name's... And, different. you know, look. Ricky T. Uh,
2: while this is all going on, a couple of rich guys and their kids decided to go see Zorro at a fucking theater, and then we watch for the millionth time as uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne about? are gunned oh, that down the fir- That was the first in front time. of their
1: son, down to the Pearls, you beat me to my joke. Down to the fucking pearls. Why? What's your joke? I was going to say, David, that's true, but they add something to the equation that hasn't been in any of the depictions before, <laughs> which is the pearls being pulled off. <laughs> because it's crazy that everyone feels the need to not only show this fucking scene, but but get the fucking pearl insert as well. But it, um, it
3: happened not in an alleyway in the other movies, right? Yeah,
2: no, right. In the other movies, it happened on an escalator. I mean, oh, yeah,
1: no. Yeah. <laughs> David, also, massive correction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They don't get killed walking out of a screening of Zorro. They get killed walking out of a screening of Zorro the Gay Blade. Zorro the Gay Blade. The George Hamilton comedy that is what if Zorro was gay where it's 90 minutes of the kind of very subtle, nuanced, thoughtful <laughs> Todd <Phillips>. gay jokes <laughs>
0: really that only
1: like 1982 could bring that Todd Phillips ostensibly got canceled. loves. The cancel police came for Zara the Gay Zara Blade. Zara the Gay Blade, and they drove him out.
2: Um, so we see. And it's when sure, that, you can't be a gay blade When anymore. that happened. You can't be a gay now, blade. What, did, it's a reason you, all the best
1: okay. gay blades have given up. When that happened. Yeah. I had no idea that they were going to do that. I neither. I threw my hands up and I looked at them. <laughs> and I went, Are you fucking kidding me? So you were not spoiled. I did you, not know you that you was were fear, happen. You were
2: fear. You had told me, you confessed that you were <sighs> afraid someone, something had been spoiled. Someone for you.
1: tweeted something about the, the Thomas Wayne Joker's mom thing.
2: Uh, oh, I see. No, that's not. I just could not believe when I was watching this movie yeah. that it had been so laboriously like, we're not a comic book movie We're you know, this is really a standalone. Then yeah. I'm like, oh, but you had to sh- kill the Wayne family for yeah. the 50th time. Yeah. And then like, I guess suggest that like, yeah, like you know, because like classically. Yeah. In any Joker origin in the comics, mm-hmm. especially in Killing Joke. Yeah. He Batman is tied to his origin. Yes, he's robbing a place, a chemical plant in both the fifties origin. They kind of gave him, and then the eighties origin, they're more revamped. Eh, Batman's already at large. Batman is there to catch him, and he dives into the chemical plant or falls in a way, mm-hmm. and like turn, and so like so that's why that he's always focused on Batman. That's sort of like yeah. the original, and so now I guess it's just like, you know, they're tied together in that way, like Batman. Either they're brothers or or yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. It's just, it's just, it feels like the movie, like, having this final, like, how profound.
1: And you're right. just like, I don't think that's anything. Well, here's the thing. I think if they were actually the legitimate and illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne, uh-huh. the movie could make some kind of statement yeah, but it's not, about nature versus nurture. But it's not gonna... No, it's not doing it. I mean, it's and it really do it not doing that. Right. But it wouldn't anyway, do it with nuance. What else were you gonna say? Um... What I was going to say is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Joaquin Phoenix is 49 years old. Sounds about right. And the boy who plays Batman in this looks about, I don't know, 10. He's 44 years old. Okay.
2: And the boy is 10, sure. The boy is 10. So you're saying like uh, Bruce Wayne would have, uh, Thomas Wayne would have had to be like 20? Right. uh, Right. Something like that. I mean,
1: Batman never becomes Batman, right? Bruce Wayne never becomes Batman canonically younger than like early 20s.
2: Sure. Right,
1: so even so then, he's
2: going to be chasing around an old Joker at
0: his absolute
1: <laughs> youngest. The first well, time he puts on the Cal Joker's
2: sixty. Here's something Joaquin Phoenix said. I am sorry to report it because not that it annoying. matters because whatever. I know, quick, but I yeah. do want to actually just tell you that he said this, okay. where he's like, "What if this movie is like like the Joker of the comics? Like sees this and it's his like origin myth. Like so, it's like." This is not about like the comic book Joker. Okay. It's about like a guy in clown makeup who does this thing and becomes like a notorious figure and the other Joker is like drafting off of that or something. I don't know. He said this in an interview. Okay. Uh, The final scene is him talking to – that's April Grace, right?
1: Is it? uh,
2: Who I love uh, and he's in the uh, Arkham or whatever.
1: Because the movie ends with the fucking cops have him in the back. Uh, uh, Johnny C. and Tempo. Gabriel Grace, yeah. Johnny C. and Tempo, one of the best stunt coordinators in the business, worked on The Tick but also worked on most of the Fast and Furious movies and is my source for all the Vin Diesel stories I will never tell on mic, yeah. plays the cop who is driving the car
2: yeah.
1: and is like, you fucking freak, where do you get off? But then some clown in an ambulance crashes into the police car yeah. and they pull his body out and they raise right. him to the rafters and he gets a standing ovation. Right. And I went, okay, you know what? Fine. That's what you want. That's what you want for this movie. He takes his bow. He finally gets his recognition. And then the movie tacks on this extra scene. Yeah. That a really is really annoying scene. Here he is institutionalized.
2: That right. I've seen a couple of people suggest, like, what if that's the only real scene? And everything else was in his head. Well, Man.
0: But the...
1: <laughs> right, so then, okay, then, then great. The movie, I don't know. The movie means less than it already means.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But he's telling, he's, that, isn't that where he says, You wouldn't get the joke? He's laughing and he says, You wouldn't get the joke. And then you see him running away and he's I'm leaving
1: sorry, bloody footprints. Bef- before he says, You wouldn't get the joke, it cuts to Bruce in the alleyway with his dead parents. Oh, yeah. Right. Implying that the thing he is laughing at is. Right. I mean, it's pretty funny. The
2: orphaning of a What a, a funny child. movie. Uh, and then he's got bloody footprints, suggesting that he killed April Grace as well,
1: I guess. And he's dancing, and then they chase him. And they're... I liked it when there was the old Warner Brothers logo. I did, too. That was the high point of the Probably movie. Probably best part of the film. Joker. Joker. Do you want to do the box office game? No, I mean, I, I was trying to think of a more interesting thing to do. I mean, we're recording this it's very right, right soon after... after uh, Release obviously I mean we could try guessing but I just feel like it's gonna be boring come on give me the five you know it's another thing I realize where I often struggle more with things that came out in the last couple of months than older releases it's because so much of my box office memory is tied to the time and place of when a movie came out and mm-hmm. when that is indistinguishable from when we're recording sure it hasn't made the imprint yet yeah but give me the five okay number one is Joker did 96 96 um, more than Justice League yeah number two what is it would be whatever was number one last weekend and what was that and was it number one only for that one weekend? Correct. And it was. We're talking about October. It dethroned Hustlers. Yeah. It was something of. It actually dethroned Downton. I believe. Oh, of course. Which is number three. Downton. Super. And Plackson. Hustlers is number four. It's been a robust October.
2: It has. It's been quite a robust October. Number five is the a very high
1: grossing in September film, but I, uh, it Chapter Two. Yes. Um, finishing out September. Did a, you see a Chapter Two? I did not. Did you see a Chapter One? I did. Okay. It, here's the thing I decided this year, and it, I'm trying not to be a grump, but it's just a thing I decided. I am not forcing myself out of obligation to sure. go see the big movies that I know I'm not going to like. Right. So I liked It Chapter One just fine. And I heard such roundly negative things about It Chapter Two yeah. that I went, I'm going to prioritize seeing smaller things that That's I think wise. I might like. And you I, can I will catch It Chapter Two. I'll watch two it, it at home sometime. They don't need my money. I don't need to vote with my dollar for that. I don't think I'd enjoy seeing it that much. But what is number two? Number two defeated downtown. This is weird because it's like I've seen marketing for it, and I'm like, huh? this exists? Yeah, it exists. I made little impression. I'm trying to think. In two weeks, it's made $37 million. And I already forget that it exists. Downton Abbey beat Rambo and Ad Astra.
2: Which are, uh, Ad Astra is seventh and Rambo right. is eighth.
1: Here And this was number one. Ad Astra, uh, unsurprisingly, has a fairly comfortable worldwide total because of Brad Pitt's stardom. Uh, this weirdly might unlock it for me. Can you tell me what this film did in its first weekend, its number one weekend?
2: I believe it made around $20 million. That's correct. 20.6. 20.
1: 20 on the nug.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: 20 on the nug. Okay. <laughs> Seems like that didn't help. No, it didn't. I thought it would. What a generic number one performance. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll tell
2: you that it's a uh, a children's film.
1: Of course. Yes.
2: And I'll tell you that it uh, seems to be uh, sort oh of oh abominable geared towards an international audience. Yes. And ab- abominable. Abominable. Yes. He's the snowman. Uh, he is. Yep. Uh, you have Rambo. You have. Um,
1: Wait. He's that serial killer. Yes, he's the snowman. He gave him, all <laughs> right, the clues. gave him all the clues.
2: If only Joker had given us some clues. Uh, Good Hulk. Boys is still hanging out in the top ten. What's Good Boys up to? Is it cracked 100? 82. Now? Oh wow, okay. Um, but a uh, hundred worldwide, hundred seven. Uh, Lion King uh, did quite
1: well, but ended up basically. It at the, was Zer- the Beauty and the Beast number, number. one highest Christmas film. New. Uh, New. No. No. Give it some time. I think it's going to get there. Yeah,
2: it's going to need. Uh, it's going to need to hang around. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw seems to be done at about one seven three seven fifty eight worldwide. Which we
1: disagree about this. It did very well. Yeah, but it is a big drop from the mainline Fast and Furious entries. Is it? What mm-hmm. did What did Fate make? Fate was humongous. Fate, I believe, made one point two billion. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. But I think,
2: given that, um you know if they're trying to launch a second franchise sure. i guess that i
1: just happy about it. it's not like they cut well, it's a terrible movie it's not a great film it's not like they cut the now, budget a ton i want to talk spin-offs, about spin offs it's about come up with a i want to talk about cheaper a cheaper satellite a movie i have not seen
2: okay that made 18 million dollars hmm. that's more than uh the goldfinch mhm right it's more than uh the
1: farewell great movie are, are you talking about the highest grossing independent film of the year yes the peanut butter falcon the peanut butter falcon a weird box office phenomenon a sort of like I guess feel good movie
2: that was at Sundance but made no impression right stars Shia LaBeouf and Dakota Johnson Bruce Dern uh, that's right John Hawks about a boy who likes wrestling, I believe, who runs away. He's got right. Down syndrome. He runs away from his sort of assistant living home or something like that. And he's sort of got a rural river guide. Yeah, and runs into, and they have like an inspirational story. I've only seen the trailer once. I have not seen right. the film. I saw the trailer once. It wasn't I said,
1: at, I'm sorry. It was at South by that okay. Sunday. I saw the trailer and I went, wow, I will never think about this movie again. And it's done pretty well. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, the highest grossing independent film of the year, Weird. has outgrossed many studio releases. Yeah. That's all. Do you know a single person who has seen the Peanut Butter Falcon? No. Now here's my thing. I must know a critic who saw it. I don't. Well, yes. I don't know. But I've never I talked a conversation to about it. about it. And it's weird. I guess I don't, at some point I guess I got to say I guess Peanut Butter Falcons <laughs> <laughs> get nominated for Best Picture this year. But Best Peanut Butter. Right. But it premieres at South by. It doesn't win. I feel like people are like. Oh, a, a charming light film, right? Yeah. Roadside picks it up. I see the trailer. I go, oh, cool. That film's going to make $4,000, right? It's not like Shia LaBeouf yeah. is box office gold. But weirdly, Roadside Attractions has kind of cornered a market yeah. on selling indie to the Heartlands.
2: Yeah, right, right,
1: right. And right. I think they wisely recognized this is another mud. Right, Mud—a much better film, I presume. A film I love, mm-hmm. but that kind of surprise, out-of-the-box success, where that was a movie that played at eight festivals, no one bought it, wasn't seen as commercial, and then did twenty million plus. Mm-hmm. And Roadside has also had more success selling faith-based films yeah. than most studios and studio arms. Yeah. Uh, so I think Mud. right? I I think Peanut Butter Falcon is just not targeted to us. I think we're the coastal elites. We're the Thomas Waynes in our ivory towers. <laughs> So the Jokers of the world are... I love Peanut Butter, the Butter Falcon. Falcon. I don't mean to slander I know, I know, the no. Peanut Butter Falcon. We need to
2: cut it out with the uh, Coastal yeah. Elite stuff. We
1: all know that the Joker's favorite movie is Joker. <laughs> that is the only movie he would like. No. Oh,
0: boy.
2: I'm sure Murray Franklin did like a Road 2 movie or whatever, right? Like he did like a sort of Bob Hope movie at some point but in his career. That's a fun yeah, Right? What if De Niro is
1: like, all oh, the success of Joker. I'm I love make this character. Murray
2: Franklin franchise. Off the success of Miami nomination for playing Robert Muller in SNL, I will join the cast of SNL full uh, time.
1: We're going to use the de-aging technology from the Irishman to make uh, The Young Adventures of Murray Franklin. Is it Murray Anderson? I don't know, whatever. Remember. No, it's Murray Franklin, I believe. Okay, I whatever. Know. Final thoughts.
2: Don't like it. Best one of the year. Uh. Stars.
1: No, I was like, I mean, I, I was watching and I was like, I think this is a four for me.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think stars.
1: there are enough individual elements— that I can respect, taken on their own, that I can't completely throw the movie out, but I don't think the movie in and of itself has any real weight or thought or value. I was kind of astonished by how little there there was. And as I was saying to you right before we recorded, I was like last night in my bathroom being like, I think I know what my final summation on this movie is going to be. Right having not seen it, and I watched the film and all of that was thrown out because I thought I was going to watch a film that was well-made and was dangerous in sort of its intent. Right, yeah. And instead I saw a movie that kind of is just shitting on the stage and throwing shit at the audience and going like, if you don't get this, you're a fucking square.
3: And then just basically poking at all like truly scary people out there. And
1: also saying this is art, you have to take this seriously. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we were talking to producer Rachel and she was like, how is it? Do I have to see it? And we were like, no. And she's like, is it what I think it is? And we're like, it's a movie that yells at you that it is what you think it is. <laughs> but it's not a very convincing argument. Yeah. You know what's a better story
3: that's like this? Read Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. Uh, yes. Metamorphosis. Meta- watch, Metamorphosis. Watch Metamorphosis. Watch Taxi Driver.
1: To watch Taxi Driver. Uh, you know what's a great work? We, we were talking about as we were walking in. Uh, Stephen Sondheim's Assassins. The favorite musical of those three bros that Joker killed on that subway train is a musical about presidential assassins. And it is very messy. It was controversial at the time. People thought they were glamorizing, unsavory people. But it is a work that actually tries to grapple with the psychosis of people on the fringes of society.
3: Love love Assassins.
1: Uh, That is a master artist actually putting a lot of thought into what they are saying and the weight of what they are making. Because that's the whole thing. When Todd Phillips goes, oh, it's a heist movie, we're using the Joker as a shield to be able to get a $60 million drama made within the studio system. The thing he is not thinking about is the vehicle you're using to that end is a huge fucking franchise. It is a character that has a lot of cultural weight and a lot of cultural messiness. most cultural weight. And And as, as one would say... With great power comes great responsibility. Right. And if you're going to fucking use the Joker to make your big movie, you kind of got to think about what you're saying. Now,
2: Todd it. Phillips does not care about that.
1: He doesn't, right? That's what I'm saying. Not at all. I'm saying that's what. You, you uh, saying
2: that to Todd Phillips, I can just imagine the extent to which he would jerk off uh, an okay. invisible penis.
1: So rigorously. <laughs> uh, viciously. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it to a space. I'm saying one should think about that. Yeah. And he doesn't. I don't know. That's the Joker. We're done with that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, do we ever cover a DC film again? No, that's yeah, my.
2: I love that idea. Let's not do no, it anymore. I'm out. Uh, I actually took Birds of Prey, which looks, um, you know, at least like something.
1: I think it looks off like something. the schedule.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm done talking about these movies. I guess. Well, the real question is. That's
1: the question. Is like Aquaman two and Aquaman Wonder Woman two and 2.
2: Wonder Woman two are sort of and the well don't forget the and we like James
1: spot. Gunn. All right, so fine. Well, Let well, me clarify. We, to, we like James Gunn's tweets. Sorry,
0: we don't have me. to
2: set hard and fast rules for ourselves. But like Birds of Prey is one of those things where I'm like, that looks like um, uh, a pretty fun or somewhat competent movie. Like it's sort of that thing where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm automatically like, you know,
1: like that, that There's going to be t- it's going to be so bananas that and we need to we talk about. what we found interesting was the shambling mass of DC trying to saying. make a it was, cohesive thing. And that is gone. Right, right, For right. the better, probably. Right. If anything good comes out of the Joker, I hope it is that they green light, like, some fucking Elseworlds movies. That they let someone make, like, Superman Red Song what or President the,
3: Luther. What about Jokers? And there's
1: many. I mean, you joke, but. <sighs> That's probably going to get pitied. My dead. point <laughs> is, what I don't want to see is, like. I don't fucking know. I don't want to see, like, Abel Ferrars Freeze, you know? <laughs> With walking, maybe? That sounds good. Well, that sounds actually great. <laughs> I don't want right. to see the twisted version, but there are great standalone DC stories that could make good $60 million more high-end dramatic films. And it would be nice if the success of this movie encourages them to do that. I worry it will just be more empty provoca- uh, provocation. Yeah. Um, let's never speak of Joker again.
3: I love that idea.
1: Great. Uh, wrap it up wait a second are you telling me yeah you're canceled dun, 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 dun. we're raising it to the rafters yes, yes. Yeah. oh my god Woo. retired bit <laughs> it's up there Ricky T <laughs> so long Goodbye. sayonara sucker thank y'all for listening please remember to rate review, subscribe. thanks to Andrew Gooder for our social media and Montgomery for our theme song Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork uh, next week, Gemini Man, a very, a very different movie. Lovely movie compared to this. Yeah. Very optimistic and sunshiny
2: movie in a weird way.
1: Uh, we got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up on the old Patreon feed. Yeah. So, special features. Uh, no, I think we have Whisper of the Heart first. Oh, we got Whisper of the Heart with yeah, our old friend Ramona yeah. Head, uh, legendary member. That just posted. So, our, yeah, we will uh, have uh, Ant-Man. So. A trivia team, Walking Penis. Yeah. Uh, look, it all ties together, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp coming at the end of the month.
2: No, yeah, we just posted that, so, right. Look forward to Ant-Man to the Wasp next week. Gentlemen, man, goodbye. Never oh, want to speak yeah. a Joker
3: again. Yeah, did you guys think, like, Joker's kind of like Trump?
2: No, 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 enough. Oh, no, enough. Stop. no, stop. no. Okay, seriously,
1: no. it's retired, but can I just say, to end our episode as we should, formally, ah. and as always, I'm still around. What? Remember me? No.
3: Richard T. Bate.